Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. So, time to put the last week behind us and start looking ahead. Time to hear from the college football coaches this morning. From Blake Anderson, from Kyle Winningham, from Kalani Sataki. We're going to start with the Utes. It's actually, honestly, I find it hard to listen to the Utes this week because we're hearing a lot of things that we heard last week. And you definitely want people to say the right things. I mean, you don't want people to say the wrong things, right? You want them to say the right things, but then they got to follow through and do them. And the talk about focusing and sharpening and that, and it didn't really happen. You know, the improvement wasn't there. So as far as, you know, practicing hard and really getting that mental picture of what it is you got to do and focusing on your job and the details and cutting down the mistakes. And yet they call a running play and there's a handoff and the guy's still getting hit in the backfield. You know, special teams are still giving up a touchdown. Now there were some bright spots against San Diego State. The defense was good. They gave up 24 points. In regulation, but seven came on a kick return. That's special. That's against special teams, so that takes you down to 17. And then you throw a pick that gets returned, and it's first and goal. It's hard to pin that on the defense. Now you're down to 10. Um, Maybe they should have held to a field goal, maybe 13. Either way, that's an outstanding number. So I think the defense is there. Now, special teams, it was a wash. They gave up a kick return, but they had one. You know, And obviously the offense has to get better, and it starts with the O-line. And switching quarterbacks, great. Um, but really I think the difference is that one quarterback is better than the other in chaos, and what they need is less chaos. (laughs) But we'll see how the O-line performs against Washington State. Here's Kyle Winningham talking about his Utes as they get ready for the conference opener. Okay, uh, frustrating loss down in San Diego, not in San Diego, versus San Diego State down in uh, Carson uh, on Saturday. Uh, Offensively, just couldn't get anything going until late in the game. Fortunately, we're able to uh, find a spark late in the game and, and uh, mount a comeback. Obviously fell fell short in that comeback attempt, but uh, saw some really good things out of Cam Rising when he came in, provided a spark, uh, not immediately, but uh, after a couple of series, he settled in and, and uh, did some really good things, put up some good numbers uh, for the, the uh, quarter, a little over a quarter of play that he was in there for. Um, defensively, played well enough to win. I mean, you you give up less than 250 yards and 12 first downs, uh, you should win the football game. And uh, but we didn't, obviously. And so we've got uh, to continue uh, working, trying to find an identity on offense, and that really is our primary issue right now. Um, lost Viana Mawala for the season. That's going to be a season-ending injury. Uh, which is a, a blow to our defensive front. He was the leader of that defensive tackle group. Uh, but uh, he's uh, not going to be able to play anymore this year. Um, special teams-wise, uh, some good, some bad. The punt return unit continues to be a big bright spot for us. Uh, Brett Covey brought a, brought one back, and uh, we amassed 100-plus yards uh, in the punt return game, which is outstanding. Uh, as good as that was, the kickoff coverage was that bad. We, we let another one out the gate, and uh, that's unacceptable. <laughs> we got to... You know, needless to say, figure that out. And, and uh, it was the same exact type of return, a break return, where they start one way and break it back across the field. And and so we got to coach it better. We got to coach that better. And we're we're uh, 
you know, that's really special teams-wise our Achilles heel right now is that kickoff coverage unit. So that's the long and short of it. Uh, Washington State coming in this week, um, coming off a loss to SC. They were playing well up uh, early in the game. In fact, they had the ball in great field position up 14 nothing, with the opportunity to go up 21 nothing, And then uh, everything just started to turn and ended up uh, – you know, getting uh, beat handily, but they played uh, they played well for for a you know period of time, a quarter and a half, and and had them on the ropes. But but uh, SC you know surged back and took control of the game, and so that was that. But uh, got a home game. It's the uh, Pac-12 opener, and so it's uh, we're zero and zero in Pac-12 play. That's that's the mentality right now. Is we got a fresh start. The non-conference games went nothing like we expected or anticipated, and now we're on to uh, conference play. So questions. Are you, are you ready to announce the starting quarterback? No, we won't do that. Uh, we uh, have a solid idea what we're going to do, but but we won't uh, make any official announcement. And you just see him trot out there on Saturday at what is it, twelve thirty kick? I think it is. Uh, you talked about the offense needing an identity. Where, where do you think that stems from? Where, where do you go from there? Well, that's a good question. That's uh, that's uh, the most important question we have in our program right now, and and uh, we haven't really uh, been as physical running the football as we anticipated we were going to be. Um, we're not throwing the football as uh, for as much production as we need to. You know, we're not throwing it badly, but uh, we're not getting out of it what we need to to, to uh, you know to win games um, our uh, both sides of the line of scrimmage you know the one thing not to answer you not part of your question but we played much better up front defensively in this last game than we certainly did the week before but offensive line wise we still got improvements that we can make and we're we're better talent-wise and what we're portraying on game day. And that's, and that's got to translate. We have got to portray and, and play to the level of our capabilities. With that offensive line, you, you kind of made some adjustments when Cam came in as well. Yeah. How much of that is going to stay and how much of that was maybe just Cam or, or what, was, what was there? That's another work in progress. We got to get, we got to settle on the on the five and we think we have a a, a good handle on that right now after pouring over the tape and and uh, the first three games of tape. You know, we've, we've studied everything meticulously and and uh, we'll have a depth chart tomorrow for you. We'll bring, we'll announce that, and uh, you'll see uh, what we're thinking there. I know that you guys were were, were trying to throw the ball away in, in that fourth quarter when you guys didn't mm-hmm. didn't make that comeback, and so you guys went a little bit more up up tempo, but it seemed to work. Are you guys think about maybe considering? Yeah, something that you got to think about for sure. And uh, it was uh, productive for us, as you mentioned. And uh, I don't think it's necessarily the answer to go fast an entire game, but you got to mix tempos up a little bit, and that's something that uh, we also have to take a hard look at. Do you think to run the ball, do you have to be consistent in your approach as far as how many times you're going to run it and running with the same people with the same personnel? I would say there's some merit to that or some validity to that, but uh, really you got to not make mental mistakes so your guys are getting hit in the backfield four yards deep in the backfield. And that's, that's a bigger issue right now than, than the continuity of it or, or trying to get uh, a consistency. We can't get any consistency because we're making mental errors and turning guys loose. And, and uh, that's really our main problem right now in the run game is, is mental errors and then uh, pass protection we're, we're not holding up as well as we need to in pass protection either and that goes back to needing to play better uh, at the line of scrimmage. 
what's the mentality of the team right now after the non-con thing go like you thought it would, but as you mentioned, you still have an opportunity to do everything you want to do in conference. Exactly. I, I don't think there's any signs of, uh, uh, you know, bad attitude, I guess you could say. You know, everybody's upbeat. Everyone's more angry and frustrated than they are uh, despondent. And so we just got to come out. And and the one thing I did notice the first two games is is uh, things didn't go great early, so we kind of got the deer in the headlight look in our eyes. We can't do that. You, know, you get a fight for the full 60, and if things don't go well early, oh, well, so what? Keep fighting. You know, keep playing and, and fight through the adversity, and, and nothing's easy at this level. Every, every week you line up, everything, you know, things are going to be hard, and it's hard to win a game. And so you got to be ready to uh, stay focused and confident for the full 60 minutes. I know there's no moral victories, but the fact that you guys battled back to a triple overtime that took a, you know, replay review to cancel out that two-point conversion, was that encouraging? It was. It was encouraging to see us get some, uh, catch some uh, fire on offense and, and get some confidence and, and see those guys move the ball like they did and, and compete. That was that was a very positive thing to, to have happen. Are you guys thinking about making any changes at, at a kicker, or would you still believe in what Still believe in Jaden. He's, uh, you know, he's sixty percent for the year. Was he three of five? I believe he is, and or four or six, whatever, sixty-six percent. But, but uh, you know, he just missed the, the he came off his toe, the uh, the PAT that we pushed to the right, and then he just didn't hit the the uh, the other one like he, came, he usually does. And so, uh, we have Jordan Noyes as the number two guy. He's he's a solid kicker, but right now. Uh, we're sticking with Jaden at, at least at this point in time. Coach, how do you make sure that, um, that Jaden's confidence stays at the level he Well, he's a mentally tough kid. Uh, and kickers, you know, you got to forget, kind of like corners, forget the, you know, forget what happened and just move forward and, and uh, rely on your fundamentals and your technique. And that's really what everyone needs to do. You know, when stuff gets tough and, and uh, you start hitting adversity in a game, well, you got to fall back on your fundamentals, your training. You know, just like the Navy SEAL thing. You know, you talk about that's part of their the, their training is when you know when the crap hits the fan, you go back to your training and understand what what got you there and and uh, fight through it. So same mentality. We are not sure right now. That's a great question. If I had an answer for you right now, we may have an answer uh, in the next couple of days. Right now, we don't have a definitive answer on what his status is going to be the rest of the season. Shoulder, upper body. Upper body, yeah. How important do you, is it to have a quarterback that's vocal and, and as a leader of the team? Obviously, you've got somebody like a Britton Covey who's clearly been around the program as the leader of the team, but how important is it specifically in that position to have somebody do that? Well, it is important, and, and uh, you can lead in different ways. Uh, but at that particular position, you'd like to have the guy be vocal and, and a guy that uh, is an alpha dog uh, type of mentality. And... Uh, yeah, because you know, leading by example is is great, but it doesn't seem to be <laughs> work as well at the quarterback spot as it does at other spots. Who are you guys looking to uh, turn to now that that is out? Who Fortunately, we we've got a, a pretty deep group of defensive tackles. We knew going into the season we had we had good depth there, and and so between uh, Kafusi kid Devin Kafusi and and uh, Junior uh, Tafuna, he played really well. He played. Uh, really well on Saturday, and then you have the Putu Taos, Howard, Tennessee, and Fua, 
and then you have uh, David Fotu, who's uh, Lucky's younger brother, who uh, we're toying with the idea of redshirting him, but uh, we'll see if he gets pressed into action now. But we we have plenty of bodies. It's just that you know you, you lose your your number one tackle. That's even no matter what your depth is, that's never a good thing. But you gotta gotta respond. Next man up, and and away you go. I do. I do. And I wasn't aware that it was going to happen until they came and talked to me afterwards. And it appeared to be very productive and uh, got some things hashed out. And, uh, you know, I think it was a positive. We'll find out, you know, if it helps us uh, throughout the practice week and in the game. But but it certainly is a, a indicator that there's a lot of care and, and uh, investment by them to uh, to do that. Wasn't encouraged. They did it on their own. Do the players see that it's only been three weeks and only been one conference game in the South? But the South teams have been all over the map. <laughs> yeah, it was a rough week for the South uh, for sure this week. I think I think USC was the only team that won because Arizona, Arizona State lost, Colorado, us, UCF. It was one in five for the for the South, and so it's up for grabs. And uh, I think you know we haven't had our team meeting yet today, but we'll certainly uh, make that known that that the South is uh, you know is really no clear cut favorite at least at this point in time. Are, are you able to definitively say how much that 2020 season impacted this year? Obviously, five games held. But mm-hmm. compared to maybe some of these other teams that got more exposure last year, have you seen that? Well, we certainly would have liked two or three or four or five more games, but you know, there's, I don't know what you, you can't do anything about it. And we're, I guess we can say, well, we're grateful that we at least got five games because those games were desperately needed by, by our team. But uh, more would have been better, but we didn't get more, so. What can you say? You've always talked about knowing you kind of know who you've got three, four games into the season. Mm-hmm. With so many question marks, do you know what you've got, and, and, and do you know what's there? I think defensively we do. I think we're, we uh, seem to be uh, starting to get our identity back, and you know, and, and really. You say getting, it's only been three games, but but we're back certainly in much better position than we were after the last contest as far as knowing who we are. But uh, offensively is the big question right now. That's that's what we got to get solved. And, and uh, you know, if we can build on what we did in the last, you know, seven minutes of the game and overtime, then that's that, that will be a, a big positive for us. All right, the Utes need to win that game. Need to beat Washington State in the conference opener, get to 2-2 two and two on the year. Win the conference opener, and then you got a bye week to get ready for USC and what is obviously a big game because USC already has a loss. You give them a second loss, what's going to happen to them over the next seven games? So they lose one more, six and three, you'd hold the tiebreaker. That'd be a big deal. But first things first, they got to be Washington State. Yes, I know there's other teams to consider in the division ASU, UCLA. I'm not considering Colorado and Arizona. I've watched them, not considering them. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Blake Anderson, his Aggies. Well, his Aggies already beat Washington State. Uh, and now they've beaten Air Force, too. Incredible game. And they got a big game coming up with Boise State. We'll get to Blake next. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Aggies square off against Boise State for a big Mountain West Conference battle at Maverick Stadium. Hear all the play-by-play action on the Zone Sports Network, beginning with a pregame show Saturday morning at 9. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. 
DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Aggie head coach Blake Anderson. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain is having an end-of-season sale on the Irrigation Smart Controller. Save 50% off each smart controller you buy. Offer available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit SmartRain.net to schedule a demo today. Coach, good morning. Good morning. Coach, I can just imagine your team meetings. You know, you were 2-0, and and you were happy the guys fought back, but you're telling them, now let's, let's get off to fast start, get out in front, control the game, and they just toy with you and fall behind by double digits three times and rally every time. You've coached a long time, but there's no way you've been through something like these first three games. Am I right? No, no, you're right. We, I mean, we've come from behind before, but, but to stack three in a row, double digits, um, you know, comebacks have not been a part of that in my career. Love, love the fact that our guys are, you know, just resilient and continue to fight and, and don't panic. You know, I, I think if you if you watch just the faces and the attitudes on the sideline, it, it just man, it makes you feel good about what we're building because at some point, you, you're um, when it continues to happen on a weekly basis, you would think they're going to crack, they're going to get frustrated. You know, guys are going to start. Uh, you know, kind of getting outside of what we what we ask, and they just haven't. I mean, they've been great. They've been phenomenal and continue to battle and kind of believe in what we're doing, and we're able to scrap and claw our way back into it. It is stressful as all can be, but <laughs> but, uh, man, to be 3-0, and considering who we've played and coming out of, you know, a season that they came out of last year, I could not be prouder of the group of guys that we're coaching. Yeah, you speak of that season last year, and as I'm watching that Air Force game, and thanks for the way you guys have been playing because it's been wildly entertaining, and I just want to be entertained, and you guys have done that, and I appreciate that. <laughs> but as I'm watching the game, and I, I can't ask you to speak on last year because obviously you weren't there, but we were here, and we've been watching Aggie football for a good long time, and, there, and the spirit and the competitive toughness and all that clearly was missing, and that's nothing I want you to address. Rather, I want you to address the spirit and competitive toughness this year because it seems to me you take a kid like bowling just catching some early passes over the middle and knowing he might get clobbered but just the toughness and the desire to compete speak on that yeah we, that's what we focused on since day one of getting here you know you, you really don't know the talent of the of the league honestly don't know how our talent compares to other teams and, and people that are going to play so we just focused internally on trying to prepare the, you know, just the mentally and physically toughest team we could, prepare to play 60 minutes, which which clearly we've been able to show the ability to play fast for 60 minutes. And and just we, we focus on being one degree better every day. And we do that with three things in mind, selfless attitude, team first. We talk about toughness, both mental and physical of that. And then accountability, doing your job, doing your job the best you can. And we've kept it very, very simple. We have just poured into these guys on and off the field to build relationships. The guys that we brought in that were new, the guys that were here before, and just said, man, we can, you know, sky's the limit. We can be whoever we want to be. Uh, they've bought in. They've done a phenomenal job. And I think what you're seeing on the field is a group of guys that are excited about how we're doing things on a daily basis that want to prove that, that you know, that last year was not who they were, that it, there's a lot of factors involved. And just are hungry to go out and, and play together every week, and that's guys that were here before, and guys that came in and chose this place, in you know, in, in January or chose this place in the summer. 
they've gelled really well. It has become a very tight knit group of guys, and it all—I think it all plays to the culture that we've been creating since January, both in football and in the off season with Paul Jackson and the strength staff. And it's given us a chance to be competitive every week. I'm—I'm I'm really, I love the environment that we have every day, and it's—it's it's a great foundation to build on for the future. But we're seeing the benefits of that late in the game when it gets crazy. And when it gets tight, they're still able to play together and pull together and do what we ask. And, you know, we're finding a way to win games. And, and I'm, I'm glad you're in, in, uh, entertained because I'm stressed out. So sure, I just sit back and watch big plays left and right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, I do have – there is a level of confidence that we, we have guys that can and will make those plays. But, but knowing they can and seeing them do it, I mean, the, the strip fumble, the interception – coming out of the end zone, the big catch over the middle, whether it be DT or Brandon Bowling or, or Griff or, or the big run. I mean, you, you you see those things in practice and you know they're capable. But it always comes down to being able to be calm enough, prepared enough, and ready when that opportunity presents itself in a game when it's a one-score or two-score game late. And, and that's, the, that's where you really get excited is when those guys are able to do that when it matters most. And we've come up with those plays three weeks in a row against really good opponents to, to get wins that um, a lot of cases, you know, you get close, you just don't get it done. Blake Anderson, Utah State coach, joining us after the win over Air Force. I, you know, Pete Gannon have been doing the show for almost 20 years now. And as you can imagine, we have had a lot of smoke blown our way, in, you know, various sound bites, interviews, quotes. And to a certain degree, you get it because people have to say stuff. But you said something a couple weeks ago, and I wondered, is he blowing smoke or is there something really weird going on? And you were talking about how you knew you wanted Bonner to start, but you couldn't tell Peasley why he wasn't starting. And I'm like, well, is he just soft-selling it so the backup doesn't feel bad? But that Air Force game, I saw your dilemma on full display. You get pretty good quarterback play from two different guys, and Bonner takes a nasty hit, and Peasley just comes in and just starts throwing touchdown passes. No wonder you struggled with what to tell him. Yeah, well, the other thing that, that you know the public can't see is is the work that Peasley gave the program from January to a fall camp. You know, really, Bonner with the injury with a broken foot missed the entire spring, the entire summer. Now, I've got five years of history with him, so I knew what to expect. But you cannot just discount the leadership and the work ethic that we got out of Peasley. So there's – you know, you've got to honor that. You've got to respect that. You've got to show the team that you appreciate it. So that, that puts you in a position where he's got to get every opportunity to be the starter. And then, as you saw, he can do some amazing things with his athletic ability out in space. And I don't really want to play two quarterbacks all the time. I've seen where that can be. We've been successful that way uh, at times, but, but I think there's something to giving a guy a chance to get some rhythm. But keeping him involved and giving him a role played off big the other night because when Bonner did go down and he got to a point where he could not turn on the ball and throw it, Peasley was ready. He had every – I think he'd done everything all week to prepare as a starter, and we went out and did not miss a beat. He made some huge plays down the stretch to help us win that game. You can, yeah, you're right. You can see we've got two quarterbacks with their own kind of unique skill set that make them good at, at, at certain things. And they're they're difficult to defend in, in different ways, and, and we we've had to use both of them to to win three games. Air Force offensively, obviously, they run the triple option. They did that very well. Ran for whatever it was, four hundred some yards. I don't I don't have the stats in front of me, but a bunch, yeah, a bunch. And obviously. But 
I was surprised that Daniels is setting personal records in the first half, throwing the ball. And it's kind of a weird question, but how much of their ability to run the ball effectively contributed to that passing success that they had and how much concern do you have going forward? Well, I thought we got way, way focused on the triple and and really did some very uncharacteristic things in the throw game. Uh, We got better later in the game when we just kind of settled down and just said, hey, we're going to play a guy man-to-man and just cover the dude. You're so caught up in what's happening in the backfield. We absolutely lost our mind in the back end and, and turned guys completely loose. We got them off schedule about seven times in the first half and did not respond well in any. Second and 17, third and 11s, third and 10s, places that you want to get Air Force. But we were so, I think, caught up on on assignment, triple option assignment football that we did very, very, uh, you know, I don't know, undisciplined things in coverage areas and and let them off the hook every single time. We finally made some plays later in the game. We won the fourth quarter on both sides, offensively and defensively. But it it really just kind of came down to simplifying and getting down to just playing normal football and kind of getting the whole triple option thing out of your head to some degree. Uh, they did a phenomenal job, I thought, schematically at getting to the to the counters off of each thing. The, you know, you take one thing away, they go right back to something else and create another problem and, and a lot of yards. But at the end of the day, we, we we found a way. You know, they found a way to make a stop when we had to late, create a turnover late when we had to to, to seal it. So now you get the Broncos, the. If not the big dog in the Mountain West, certainly the road to the title has gone through. you got to beat them if you want to win it. They don't win it all the time, but they win a lot of them. And it's a 10 a.m. game. How much do you change things for this uh, early kickoff? How much do you have to change things going from Air Force's offense to Boise State? It seems like everything's new this week. Yeah, you know, it's clearly the offenses will not look the same. You know, I think we're, we have at least seen – you know, with North Dakota, you know, we, we saw a lot of the bells and whistles of motions and tight ends and different sets. With with Washington State, we saw spread ball, so I think you get a little bit of both of those with them. Um, 10 a.m., we practice in the morning, all fall camp. You know, our, our guys really are, are used to getting up and rolling. I, I love the idea of getting up, eating breakfast, and then, and then teeing it up. Uh, you don't have a whole lot of time to think about it. You just get out there and go. So, the challenge will be all the bells and whistles that we'll see from their offense, and then they've got they've got a defense that's built you know built really really well. It'll be a huge challenge for for our offense. We've they will be the best defense that we've seen uh, hands down to this point uh, out of all, and we've and I feel like we've seen some good folks. So uh, the challenge is going to come in being able to execute against good people. When new coaches come in, they all have their philosophies and the way they speak, the way they act, and all that stuff, and. How important is it now? You've been saying stuff. You preach to the players. Everybody's got their own style. But now as you, as a new coach with these kids, now you have some success to back it up. So it's not empty words that you're preaching. How important is that? Because I've found in covering college football for many, many years, players don't believe in a coach. It's almost to the point where the talent's irrelevant. Yeah, you got to get them to buy in. And then it does help. That, that you see some success with what we're doing. You know, we we felt like going into the season that these kids had done everything we'd asked to do, and we've been preaching play hard for 60 minutes. Our conditioning is going to, you know, going to be uh, huge for us in the, in the fourth quarter. If you just continue to battle and chase the ball and uh, 
play with great effort, man, good things are going to happen. But if you go out and you're sitting here 0 and 3 or or 1 and 2 with that philosophy, it's a lot harder to swallow. But what you're seeing for us is, man, they're starting to see the things that we've talked about and preached every day and challenged them with starting to see those things actually pay big dividends in the game. And, and that's when the light bulb goes off. And guys like, hey man, let's give a little bit more. This this is this has got a chance to be special. So, um, I mean, we're I think we're sitting in 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 a great spot to to be year one foundationally, just trying to build this thing for the future. And and we're having a lot of fun. Watch the guys start to figure this thing out. But they uh, they they've done the hard work. I and mean, they they have they have sacrificed and bought in. Uh, but it, it does help that we've seen some early success because I think it kind of fuels the fire a little bit. Saturday, 10 a.m., we are looking forward to a coach. Big game early in the year. We're intrigued by it. We'll uh, talk to you again next week. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. There's Blake Anderson, Utah State football coach, against all odds, off to a 3-0 and start. Kyle Whittingham, off to the 1-2 start, but his protege, Kalani Satagi, is off to a 3-0 and start. And we will talk with the BYU head coach, Cougar football, with Kalani. You'll hear from him as he talks with the media next. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. BYU welcomes South Florida to Lavelle Edwards Stadium this Saturday. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game. And then catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 6 with the postgame show starting immediately following the game on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to hear from Kalani Sataki as he meets with the media, gets fired up about a few things. Uh, his team's now a heavy favorite, so he's going to start cracking on every mistake. You can coach kids hard when they're 3-0. and <laughs> Coach kids hard when they're a 23.5-point favorite going into the next game. Uh, no letdowns. Got to keep getting better. All that kind of stuff, which actually is true. I do think that just on the whole, teams need to be better in November than they were in September. So you got to keep working at it. All right, DJ and PK, here is Kalani Sataki with the media. Yeah, uh, just really excited about the game. Um, excited to be at home again and uh, for a late-night kickoff. And really looking forward to this matchup. Um, uh, after looking at the game review, uh, talked about some of the injuries. Um, everybody should be back except for one, and that's Keenan Peely, who we lost for the season. He uh, tore his ACL, and so he'll be out. He'll be um, still rehabbing and getting ready for surgery uh, in a couple weeks. And then uh, we're still going to need him as a leader. He's a captain, so we're going to need him leading our team still. And, and uh, he has a purpose and a role for us. It just has changed. So with that, we're going to rely on uh, some of the some of the depth that linebackers step up and have a lot of confidence in Kevin Kloon as their coach and, and the young men in that room, and Keenan does as well. So I had a great conversation with him and looking forward to his role changing, but also um, having an impact and influence on our, in our program. Um, as far as the game goes, really happy about the game. Obviously, I think we mentioned it after the game that we could, we feel like we could still play better. And I feel like as a head coach, we've got to get our, our team um, in a better position to have more uh, efficiency and and playing at our best. So that's going to be the focus this week is, is executing well and um, everybody um, 
knowing their assignments, um, doing things the right way uh, on the field and, and making plays. So uh, we're going to work on our fundamentals, our technique, and, and executing our assignments. Uh, we got a very athletic, um, passionate team that's coming to our home this weekend. And uh, we know we've seen South Florida on the field before, so uh, they're well coached. Jeff Scott's a really good head coach, and he's got he has tons of experience. Uh, for those that don't know, he came from Clemson, so he has he's been there for a long time as, as a co-OC and as an assistant, and has uh, really been a big part of that culture that they built there. They built there in Clemson, and I see him trying to do the same and similar things at at South Florida. And so uh, we see the film, a lot of athleticism, a lot of speed. Um, and so we're focused, our mindsets on, on, on getting that game and making sure that we're performing at our best this week. And uh, that's where we're at. You know, sad to lose Keenan, but uh, he wants us to move on and, and his role change. But the team's got to move on. And there's this high sense of urgency for myself. And even the team wants to, wants to get better this week and want, want, they want to play better. Uh, it was nice in the locker room hearing the, pl- the players talk about South Florida, even after our game against Arizona State. So, uh, but health wise, we should be, should be full force with the, with the exception of, of Keenan Peely. All right, questions, Norma and then Mitch. Hey coach, you guys are facing South Florida this week. Um, what do you remember from that 2019 game where you guys had the lead going into the fourth and then things kind of fell apart? If I remember correctly, I think there was like a pick and then Jaron ended up having to leave the game towards the end with a concussion. Yeah, different staff. A lot, a lot of the same players on, on our team and there. So um, there's the, there's definite um, memories of that game. And so uh, you recap some of it. So we, we know the game we know the personnel a little bit different scheme um uh, from them but uh we we see the athleticism and speed and and uh the talent on their team so we we need to make sure that we're ready to do our best and and keep our focus on these guys but there's there's a there's a, a huge drive to play better this weekend especially against this team do you feel that Hall's kind of taking this game a little bit more personal and wanting to make sure to, to change the outcome this time around? Yeah, I've seen him doing that with every game that he's played. He he didn't get to play football last year, you know, so he's been injured. So I think that's been his mindset. It just happens to be South Florida this weekend. But he's had that same mindset, it's just like the rest of the guys on the team. I, I've been been happy with the leadership and the focus on our team. It, it, uh, we just keep it rolling, but but I do need to see improvement in a lot of different areas, and and um, that's not just on the, the players. That's on myself and and the, the assistant coaches. We got we, we need we need to play better. We need to see a lot of improvement. I was really pleased with some of the improvement that we saw from week two to week three, but uh, we've got to make a, a bigger jump from week three to week four. Lonnie, uh, noticed on the depth chart that Ben Bywater steps in at that Mike linebacker spot for Keenan. Um, no shortage of snaps for Ben. He started against Arizona, but uh, what do you maybe you like about him filling that role of, of Keenan in such a, a critical role for your defense? Well, it's just not going to be him. There's going to be a bunch of guys that, that we're going to need to play. Uh, when you're playing against high tempo, no huddle type of team like like what USF will do, um, we're going to need more than just the 11 starters on on 
defense. We're going to need a number of those guys, and we're going to have to dip into the, the depth because we want to play fresh and play, um, you know, where everybody's clicking at 100%. Um, Ben's one of the guys that, that's going to fill in that we feel really comfortable with, but we feel good about that whole entire group. We feel good about, um, you know, having uh, you know, Drew Jensen and, and Josh Wilson and Morgan Piper, um, you know, Jackson Kofusi. That, that whole group, we're going to have to step up and we might have to change a couple of things from what Peyton Wilgard does and then look into the little bit of things that, that, that Peyton and Max can do with their experience and maybe move guys around, but we'll figure it out in the next, in the next few days and give our guys a chance to compete and we'll, we'll play with the best 11. Your program, uh, since that USF loss in 2019, you guys are 19 and three. What, what changed after that loss? Cause there was just it seemed like there was a lot of uncertainty at the time. What, what's maybe just been some of the, the big pillars that have uh, helped change the, all the success since that loss two years ago in Tampa. I'll just stick into stick into our our identity and our belief in the system, and you know, staying the course. I think that that's the idea is is to keep reemphasizing our strengths, uh, what what our identity, our program is all about, and keep focusing on the culture. Um, you know, that that's something that we've been really focused on as a, as a as a program is is uh, be proud of what you do and 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 who you do it for, and so that's. We just happen to play football and, and being have this high sense of gratitude and appreciation for what we get to do. So I've seen the young men and their approach and the coaches um, really buy into what we get to what to do. And it just happens that we were able to get some wins along the way. But um, that's basically it. I, you tell them, it's like it seems so long ago, you know. And right now our focus is uh, be a week to week and right now it's south florida and things that we can improve on but man there's been such a great foundation of some really cool things that have happened in the last last few years all right let's go jay and then jake yeah two questions uh kalani your offensive line was really good in the fourth quarter with 11 straight running plays to move the ball down the field have you been uh, generally pleased with with how that unit has performed? Yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, you'd love to just demolish everybody up front on, on the line of scrimmage, every play. But I think uh, you respect the game and your opponents, and you see that um, they have some great, really cool schemes and great um, ideas, and some great athletes on the other side as well. So I, as long as we're making, we're, we're not making mental mistakes and not uh, missing our assignments, I, I can deal with the rest because our our guys are going to give high effort and high energy. It's just uh, minimizing the, the mistakes, meaning the mental mistakes. And, and what I saw from, from our team is our guys, you know, didn't make a lot of mental mistakes, especially up front with the O-line. And then you, you have to give a lot of credit to, to Arizona State. They had, they had some really big, strong guys up front, you know, but you just keep sticking with the game plan and keep, keep plugging away. And, and, and I was glad that we were able to get that win and with, with those guys carrying the load, you know. So, and, and with a combination of – uh, Tyler Algier and 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 Lopinicato and and also with uh, Jaron Hall being the, being able to run the ball. And uh, you've got 17 players on your team whose fathers played for BYU. Um, is that sort of legacy Cougars mentality uh, unique to BYU, or do you see that a lot in college football? And also, just what does that say about the culture that you're trying to establish there? 
I mean, <clears throat> I, I've said it before. I'm trying to do what a lot of the coaches have already done here and talking about what Bronco and Croton and Lavelle have done and trying to build on that. And I got to play under Lavelle Edwards, and I thought it was a really great culture for me to, to thrive and, and grow in so many ways other than just football. And so um, we're, we're trying to do that and trying to make it recognizable. But it, to say that we're the only ones that do that is is, is it's not right. Everyone has their own idea on, on how to run the program. For us, it just it falls really in line with, for me, what I think I got to enjoy here when I played at BYU. So uh, I think a lot of people recognize it. And we just happen to have a bunch of guys that, that um, their dads played here and, and it, it matters to them. But I want, I want young men that, that want to be here. And, and want to be part of this program. Um, and, and, you know, part of recruiting is that you educate recruits on how we run a program, what it's all about. And, and it fits some people and it doesn't fit others. That's okay. We, we have a, a certain standard and a certain um, identity that we, that we claim and we got to be proud of it. And uh, that's not going to change for anybody, but there are a lot of young men, whether their dad's played here or not, that really believe in what we do and would fit perfectly with this program where we thrive in this culture. And those are the ones that we're trying to find. Kalani, outside of your guys' season opener there in Las Vegas, you guys are not going to leave the state until you go to Waco and Baylor next month. How big of an advantage is it for you guys to be close to home playing all these games? You know, we, we don't do the scheduling, so it just it, whatever it shows up at, that's what we do. So I, 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 we're going to focus week to week, not even looking past what we have right in front of us, which is South Florida. That's that's our whole focus on. I, I, don't, I mean, we have a schedule that everybody can see, and that's where the families and fans are planned. But for us, we're focused on everything is focused on this game this Saturday and trying to perform at our best. How critical has Justin Smith been considering you've had you've been without Jake Oldroyd for two games now? Yeah, he's been great. And and I give a lot of credit to to Ed and to Gavin uh, working with with the specialists and those guys stick together. I give a lot of credit to Rico and, and, and Jake also being able to be leaders in that room with those guys and that, that room of specialists, man, they're special young men. Those guys work hard. They lift hard. They do all the work that, that's required of them. And, and then they do some extra. And then I give a lot of credit to them being able to support each other and love each other and, and be really happy when uh, someone does really well. So uh, it's, it's, it's a product of the room. And uh, we have a strong presence in the special teams in the specialist area. And uh, those guys have done amazing. So it's, it's nice to have him to lean on. And it's just good to have depth everywhere and just happens that we had to use some of our depth with our kicking. Mitch, go ahead. Yeah, Kalani, I know you kind of address the, the personnel stuff beyond just uh, keen, keen on a general sense, but uh, just wanted to follow up on, on Jaron. He said he just got the wind knocked out of him. Is that all for Jaron? Is no cause, no cause for concern? Is he going to be ready to go this week? Yep, everybody will be ready to go this week. So... Yeah. And then I mean, uh, people are people are sore. He had some big bodies. I think he said it in the post game that some big boys landed on him, and that's. But I mean, how come no one's talking about the old linemen and how sore they are? You know, so everybody's sore. It's okay. We go. We're gonna we're gonna go out and work hard and, and try to run the soreness out. But that's 
nobody's 100% right now. We just need to be close to it by the time we get to game time on Saturday night. You guys are uh, 100% with your red zone offense so far this season. Uh, what's been some of the, the successful pieces to – or just some of the things that have caused so much success for you guys in the red zone on offense? Um, A-Rod's called some really good calls in, in the red zone. The players have executed well. Um, I don't know, just, just I think if everybody just focuses on doing things the right way on the field, meaning assignment sound, we're going to be fine, you know, and we can live with with the results. And um, you know, but we just can't can't uh, kind of can't get off the path of our our success. That when we're having doing good things, we don't need to change much other than do it better and do it cleaner. So everyone was talking about how we didn't turn the ball over you know, the first two games and you guys jinxed us. And now, you know, look what happened. But uh, we had to create turnovers on, on the other end to catch up with it and even had a, a running back create a turnover for us in the same place. So uh, the the goal is for us to, to not try to do anything brand new or anything crazy that's different than what we're already doing. Just do it better and um, and do it cleaner and, and keep focusing on, on what's more important, which is the present. How can we get better today so we can perform better tomorrow? And then by the time we get to Saturday, we'll hopefully we'll make a huge jump in improvement and that it will show up on, on game day on that night. Jake, go ahead. Yeah, Kalani, just wanted to ask you about your confidence in your coordinators. It seems like you have implicit trust in both Lysa Tuiaki and Aaron Roderick. Can you just kind of explain why you believe in them so much and allow them to just kind of operate their own little fiefdom, if you will? Yeah, I have a lot of trust in those guys and and Ed Lamb as well. Those those men have helped helped me build this program, and so I have a lot of trust in, in what they do and how they call a game. I've been I've been involved in in the meetings. I've seen their game plan. I watch their practices. I I see um, what they're trying to accomplish, and um, I have a lot of trust in them. Man, that's 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 uh, I think um, that's what our culture is about. Is that we we. We trust the guys when they when they in, in their roles and empower them and then see how they can flourish. And then I'm just there along the way. If there's any anything to help out on, I'm, I'm there to help. But uh, I'm very fortunate to have wonderful coaches that work for me. And, you know, I think a lot of people forget about our support staff and forget about our graduate assistants and our analysts. All those people do do some wonderful things for us from anyone in this building, from our strength coaches to trainers, to everybody that's involved, equipment people. Everyone has their roles, and I'm very fortunate to have great leaders in, 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 in all those positions to help us function at a high level. And hopefully we can and, – and I'm over here complaining that we should play better. And so um, it, it's nice to work with people that, that want to keep getting better and want to perform at their best. And it, I think all the credit gets sometimes given to the guys on the field, but there's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes that if we didn't have them and we didn't have wonderful people that are working there, it wouldn't be as clean. One other question for me is obviously the transfer portal is in its third or fourth year. Now you guys adjusted to life with that. Now with name, image and likeness taking hold, it's been a few months now. Has that changed the team dynamic at all for you? No, I think I think we've been been on top of things and try to be uh, you try to be as innovative and creative and proactive as possible. 
you guys have been around me long enough. I believed in the transfer portal and I was doing transfer portal stuff before that even happened. I released every player that left here and allowed them to play against us even in games because I believe in helping the young men. Uh, I think the NCAA followed what we what we do. And I'm not the only coach that does that, but there's a lot of coaches that do that. that we're doing that, but um, we, we thought that's the best way to do it. And we have been. And so in the name, image and likeness and other things that come along with any adjustments with NCAA, we're going to be on top of it. And we try to pro- project and try to forecast as much as we can, we can to put our players in a good position to have success. And so, um, you know, that, that's, that's what we have to do as, as, a, as a program is be ahead of the times and, and be with the times. There's Kalani Sataki with the media. Stay with us. DJ and PK in the morning is proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. What is trending would normally be in this slot. We slid it to 730 today because we're going to talk to Samson Akua. We normally talk to Samson on Mondays, but... Is he online? Not judging by the look on Yach's face. He's not online? No. Because oh. when you're 3-0, and oh, man, you can call your own shots. Exactly. You're 0-3, forget it. No 0-3, man. 1-2, 2-1. 0-3, toe the line. Cross the T's, dot the I's. 3-0, just ride the wave. Oh, yeah. You can interrupt guys when they're being interviewed on the field. Like uh, old Samson did the other night with Kalani when he was doing the post game. Merlin Robertson did it, too, the ASU kid, to congratulate Kalani. Uh, LDS kid and was interested in coming to BYU at a time. Yeah, when you're 3-0, you get the world by the tail. Yeah, things are. These are just great times for BYU, man. These are the good old days. Announce well, it now for for Sataki, not for the program. They've had plenty of good old days, but right now, absolutely. D News did a thing. Uh, Jay Drew did a thing last week on uh, that week of uh, the Arizona Utah going to the Big Twelve. Best week in BYU history. They asked me to contribute. I said, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's right there. It's right there with the one they were voted national champion. And then probably that run that Ainge had to the Elite Eight. Uh, we you know, hit that uh, the greatest play, individual play in basketball history over 14 Notre Dame guys. Well, he weaved through 12 of them. Three of them four times. <laughs> okay, nice. <laughs> Looping back, showing off. I mean, that was, that was just incredible individual play. And now Ainge is back roaming the campus of BYU quite frequently. Yep. As I understand, he's around. Probably picking up some free golf. <laughs> it's still irritating <laughs> you with that. That just sticks in your craw. <laughs> I'm probably getting on his way to Riverside right now. Hey, Danny. Hit him straight, what Danny, up? like you normally do. <laughs> Had the cap pulled down. He was at the Big 12 announcement, just breezing out the door. We weaving through people in the lobby like they were Notre Dame defenders. Well, he's at the BYU-Utah game, and so he's around. His wife was there. I saw her. Uh, but, yeah, this, these are great times for BYU football. There's just no question about it. I don't see how you can argue. They're 3-0. and when, when are they going to lose again? They're probably going to lose again this year, but I don't know when. They're going to the Big 12. Kalani, man, his name is being thrown out for USC. It's now time. BYU going to have to pony up. And it's not just for him either. See, he, this guy has just a unique ability to be as loyal as any coach. And it's not coach speak. He really loves his dude. See, he has a massive heart that's capable. I have a real tiny heart. And he has, <laughs> he has a massive heart that's capable of loving 
a whole lot of people. And, I, and I'm hearing from his guys, you know, he's just so freaking loyal. And so uh, you, if somebody comes calling, it may not just be that they're going to throw a bunch of money at him. It's that, okay, here's your budget. For the whole staff. Yeah, and if he can yeah. take care of those guys and BYU's unwilling to match that and to carry, to ca- to employ the staff at a much higher level. You know, we saw it with the other dudes, uh, with Bronco Mendenhall. They took off, and they didn't have jobs at the time. So that would uh, be a little different. Uh, but Yeah, but, but I mean, but, but that's the same thing. See, when Kalani leaves... These guys aren't going to have jobs. It was only a few days that they didn't have jobs. They well, the point being is they weren't assured of staying on the staff. That so, could play out. So that, yeah. it will be yeah. the same thing. They won't whoever if, if he were to leave. I don't know if he's going to leave. I'm not saying that. But if he were, that that they'll be unemployed for a, a few days until the new coach decides uh, I'm going to go in this di- this direction, that direction, or the coach that they're with. In this case, Sataki says, "Boys, why don't you come?" Now, normally. At least some of the guys come. That's just the way it is. We saw it with Blake Anderson, right? You bring guys that you know, and, and especially when you're uh, leaving a situation and going what is perceived better situation, you bring guys along. So I, I can tell you that many of the coaches freaking doubled their salaries. Uh, and so the coaching money that's available could be something that could play into it. Or BYU could just say, hey, you know, we're in the Big 12. This is our time, and we're going to – we may not match it, but we're going to make it extremely reasonable. And if the guy still wants to leave, he wants to leave. And you can say, oh, and I know what BYU fans are saying. Oh, yeah, but Kalani played there, and he grew up there. Yeah, so did Brian Harson at Boise. He grew up there. He played quarterback at a high school at Boise. He coached at Boise. He came back as an assistant coach. He left, came back again, and then Auburn threw all sorts of money at him. Now, the, uh, you know, you can argue, okay, well, BYU's going to be in the Big 12 right now. Okay, that's great. That's great. But money for himself and his staff and some other deals just matter. They matter. And if BYU wants to step up, I believe he stays. I don't know. He doesn't have an offer yet, so it's just speculation. But he's going to receive. And I can tell you that SC has at least a medium level of interest. And medium could increase to high if James Franklin says, what do I want to go there for? Now, you look at Bruce Feldman's uh, five guys that he put out on the list there uh, on, on during the USC-Washington uh, State game. You know, it was Christopher uh, at Oregon, Kalani, uh, Franklin, uh, Campbell, and Fickle. Okay, Franklin, Campbell, and Fickle have never coached on this side of the country. Excuse me, I think James Franklin was an assistant for one season as a tight ends coach at Washington State yeah, in 1999. So that's kind of like not coaching on this yeah, side of the country. Right, right. I mean, he did. You're barely there. But One every high school coach who's mattered has changed yeah. where the relationships so that come with plus recruiting. Years ago, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so Cristobal obviously is in the conference, but you know he was emphatically denying any interest. Uh, I don't know if you saw or heard that interview with, uh, what's his face, Doug Gottlieb. And, God, and Gottlieb does a good job of asking the question right off the bat. You know, he, And he says, well, I don't know what you brought me on here for. Well, come on, coach. <laughs> you know you're going to get It's going to be one question in a 10 or 15-minute interview. Just deal with it. That is what it's going to be. Yeah. So, and, and credit, it's not particularly surprising. I mean, he's an ex-player, but he, he came up to the plate and asked the question, and he, go Ducks, go Ducks. Uh, he didn't deny it, but nevertheless, he's got a premier That's job. That's what gives USC fans hope. He and, didn't deny it. And 
Yeah, I wouldn't deny it either. I'm just why deny something? You have two losing seasons, you're out the door. Yep, <laughs> especially at a place like there. If just you have two a, winning seasons, you leverage for more money and still not leave. Yeah, I can't imagine that money is an issue at Oregon with Phil Knight State. Uh, unlimited supply of money that he's willing to throw on anybody at any time. It seems you know he built that program. Uh, Phil Knight Stadium at Phil Knight Field, Phil Knight mm-hmm. Locker Room, mm-hmm. at <laughs> Phil Knight University, Phil Knight Ballpark. Now he named a basketball arena after his son. Hey, who every so a, often they have a Knight Family yeah. X building here. <laughs> they, he named basketball. His son, I believe, died in a motorcycle accident at a, in his 30s, so obviously that's a big-time tragedy. Uh, I don't make light of that by any stretch. Uh, but uh, you would think that uh, if money was going to be an issue for Cristobal, well, they'll take care of it as long as he wins and continues to reel in top recruits and have great seasons. Uh, so right now, I think I don't think that Kalani's at the top of the list. But depending on what happens to that list, you, you check off, and he's and if he continues to win, and I don't see them losing for a while. I mean, they, maybe Utah State may get him, but you know, because we could say, oh, I didn't see them going three and zero, and they did. So who's to say they don't lose down the line? Who knows? But the fact is, this is these are great times. This is what they aimed for when they went independent. Uh, at the uh, in time for the 2011 season, and it's here now. This is what they've got going, and this is a guy who can't complain about being independent like Bronco basically did because they switched it up on Bronco. Bronco agreed to be a coach in the Mountain West. Kalani agreed to be a coach as an independent, knowing full well what the parameters were. Now they're going to change in a couple years, but these are the best of times as an independent. I don't think anybody could argue that and uh, see what they can do. And, and I hope if, if he gets another offer that they step up to the plate because they're all about exposure through their football program, not just for the university but for their religion. Well, now you're venturing into areas where you don't have a stronghold. You have a stronghold in the, in the western region of the country with your uh, church membership being uh, predominantly on this side, obviously, where you're going to go into areas where they're not. And I can remember when they went back to Syracuse, they got worked that game. But anyway... They went back to Lavelle's year uh, there, and the, the, back when newspapers were a bigger deal, but they're still a deal, and the internet's still a big deal. They did stories on the on the leader of the LDS faith uh, on the mountainside, or in the woods there, and uh, you know this the history of the church, and they did a bunch of stuff. I saw it for myself. Well, that's going to be expanded. So you're going to get tons of exposure, more exposure than you ever had. And you need to keep this guy and keep this thing rolling, don't you think? I do think. Thank you. But I'm not at all convinced (laughs) (laughs) that this will play out one way or another. Are you convinced? That's the argument. That's the argument. And that argument will be made by probably not just Tom, but even people above Tom. But is that that argument going to carry the day? What prior discussions, previous to the USC situation coming open, what prior discussions have there been about how salaries are going to be boosted going to the Big 12? Well, I mean, they always think about it. I mean, they, and they knew that when they gave him the extension here, what was it, a few weeks back? They knew full well that the Big 12 was there. Yes. And they, and they could have it. Right. They've known for a while. And so it was sort of cosmetic, the timing of it. It just wasn't accidental. It, was, it preceded the Big 12 invitation. It was another notch on the belt. Uh, but, you know, I've also heard that right now his compensation is not and, – and compensation and the compensation for the coaching staff and everything all considered, the budget is not Big 12 worthy. 
I can't. Now, I haven't seen that, BYU's budget, but I have people within the department telling me this. Isn't that a red flag? And just because it isn't right now, where will it be in two it, it or three could years? Be, but because I don't know that Utes, it is. I was surprised that the Utes closed the gap on Pac-12 pay pretty quickly. I thought it was going to be like a five-year process, and I, I don't think it turned out to be that. And good for them. You know, I think it kind of happened over two to three years. Well, is there the commitment to do that at BYU over two to three years? And do you start with one sport and compensate that sport before you compensate other sports? Well, you compensate football. Football, right? That I seems mean, to just the, go right to the, the front of the line. line. It's the truth. I know. So what's the timeline for that? Uh, I don't know all those answers, but I have a, I have a level of faith that they're going to realize that they have a gem. And you don't want a, a gem to go away for money that you have available. Be, and, and who cares if some economics professor is going to be outraged? Shut up. Go be a football coach then. <laughs> Lots of people care. You know that argument has been had many times on many campuses. None of the and fans I, care. And the I, people, I, the donors don't care. I know. I saw some stuck-up educator, fine. And I think educators should be paid. And there's a freaking band teacher at Brighton. Let me tell you, this gal, she's saving souls literally. And I don't want to get into it, but I can guess. Yeah. I know. Well, you don't need to guess because I told you. And (laughs) I didn't know if you wanted me to say that, but yes. Uh, And so whatever they're paying her, it's not enough. It's not enough. Had this, had yeah, the same. So we've had all the, had these yes, experiences. Had the same experience. Yes, of course. There are a couple teachers. Right. Yeah. My my kid would dude, walk home from college to those teachers. Right. They they were awesome. Now there were a couple. My kid also walk home to fire. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> but there were a couple. My kid would walk home perfect. and do anything for. Uh, so yeah. I get your point. Yeah, I get your point. And, I just don't have a lot of. Um, uh, I just don't have a lot of confidence that this person, especially, we have to keep this person, we have to pay this person, is a message that's going to resonate. Yeah, but if you if you couch I it do, in the exposure that you're going to get for I, your faith. But that's where I wonder about the Big 12 conversation. Because it's like, okay, we're going to make this move to the Big 12. This is where this the level this conference competes at. Uh-huh. And if we're going to compete in this conference, then, and, and we need to plan it for like 10 25 years. Sure. We're going to compete in this conference, and we are going to be going to all these states that the church doesn't have much of a presence in. Mm-hmm. The, the school does not have much of a presence in. So let's invest over 10 to 25 years. That argument, I can see that argument carrying the day. This guy especially wins a lot. We need to keep him. And not just that, but see, it's not just that. I got that. less confidence but in see, that. Okay, but that, that other part that you do have confidence in is real. And you look at it. Now, Kalani Sitake, going forward, is going to be a spokesman for the LDS faith. That's the reality of it, right? It's just like Steve Young has been out there on a national, and, and the Osmonds. And when we know all the folks who've superseded their faith and become celebrities because of their, whether they're yeah. athletic or yeah. musical talents, whatever they are. And you look at, a, at a, a man like Donny Osmond. I mean, the guy's just, a, he's a gem too. 
and he's out there and doing his thing, and he just had a new album. Listen to some of the music the other day. It's pretty good. Way to go, Donnie. I'm proud of you, man. And uh, I'm going to be hitting you up for tickets to your show down in Vegas. He's doing a residency. So, because uh, I spent some time in Vegas, and so we're going to, I saw the Donnie Marie show, now I want to go see Donnie's show. He's a phenomenal entertainer. So he's out there, now he has no connection in terms of BYU paying his salary, his, his salary's on his own ability, it's another story. But you look at Sataki, going forward, he's going to be a face of the faith. And what better guy do you want? I mean, Bronco, I loved Bronco as a football coach. I loved him dearly. I thought he was awesome, but he was stilted in a sense. And he had some awkward communication uh, skills and habits and so forth. And, you know, he preached a religion a ton. Kalani preaches, he talks about, talks about the players being disciples of Christ. And he does it in a way that doesn't seem like it's in your face. It's so smooth. And he walked the walk. He served the mission. He did the deal. Right, and so he's got the he got the street cred, and at BYU that's important. We heard about how Jay Keeps didn't have the street cred with his guys. So Taki does. He did it. He was there. I couldn't I couldn't imagine doing that for two years. It seems so mind boggling to me. But yet he did it, and so many of them do do it, and it matters to them. So you're not going to find a better spokesman. I, I really believe that. Plus, he's a minority in a church that's viewed as all white. He's not. He's the right guy, man. He is the man to do this job and represent what they're about. And he does it so smoothly. The guy has no friggin' enemies. So, all of those are good points. You can't counter. No, I'm not going to allow it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Yuck, what order did Ricks in BYU-Hawaii de-emphasize or completely drop sports? It was was Ricks Ricks first, right? Yeah. When Riggs drops sports. Now BYU-Idaho. Now BYU-Idaho. Two former players who had great experiences at BYU were completely down. At least one of them went to Riggs. I don't think the other one did. I think it was one did and one didn't. And they were talking about this goes beyond BYU. The people in the church education system who are ivory tower types in the same sense that you would see... In the Ivy League or the University of California, University of Michigan, whatever public education system, and that they didn't think athletics should have this place or possibly any place. And it's a bureaucracy, and it's now 20 years later, and I don't know who's promoted, hired, retired. I'm not, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It, <laughs> you'd like to think because you see the value in football, well, they and do you see too. the value in Kalani. And, and I think those people would tell you, some do, some don't. So when we take, is it is it democracy here? You need 51%? I mean, fine, no. so what? There's a few stuffy people, I who cares? It, but they don't go through all this Big 12 spiel just to get out. You would think. Well, that doesn't argument, make any sense. And that's the argument if you're going to be in the Big 12. Hey, you're not going to pay the Big 12. It's the Big 12, brother. You're not going to pay at the top of the Big 12. But are you at least elevating to the middle of the Big 12? Yes, I believe they if, will. If they are elevating to the middle of the Big 12, that's something that should give BYU fans confidence They're going to take care of their boys. Hope. It's Division One football! <laughs> it's the Big 12! Uh, now it's UC Davis, but uh, whatever. All right, DJ and PK. This week, by the way. You what, huh? UC Davis, Weber State this week. There it is. Look at you. All right, when we come back, Yach will continue to bang his head against the wall and try to get Samson Nakua to wake up. What is trending is coming up next. Stay with us. It's game week. 
And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. BYU welcomes South Florida to Lavelle Edwards Stadium this Saturday. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game. And then catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 6 with the postgame show starting immediately following the game on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports as DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag NFL. Rodgers looking, waiting, sends it out left side, Aaron Jones, wide open, to the end zone, touchdown, 11-yard touchdown pass, Aaron Rodgers to Aaron Jones, and a Lambo leap to the north end zone stand for showtime. Even more now than when I started playing, there's so many overreactions that happen on a week-to-week basis, so it's nice to, to come out and have a good performance and get the trolls off our back for at least a week. I just think people like to say a lot of and it's nice to come back in here after a game like that. Aaron Rodgers after the Packers pull away in the second half and beat the Detroit Lions. It was a close game through the first half. And then in the second half, the penalties, the turnovers, sunk the Lions, and the Packers kept rolling. Rodgers, 255 yards and four touchdowns. Three of them to Aaron Jones, who also ran for a score. Got pretty easy there in the second half. So are the Packers really okay? They got blown out by the Saints, and the Saints didn't look good week two. You can drive yourself nuts with that. Oh, there's 17 games. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to drive myself at all. I'm just going to take it as it goes, and it'll take care of it. So you don't have to worry about it. This is the NF freaking L. It's not uh, <laughs> anything else. Your schedule's weak. Your schedule's strong. There's no judges involved. So I'm not going to drive myself nuts because win the most games. Yeah, this by week December we'll have a full well. We'll know full well what it's about. But you know, as far as Rodgers. Everything's discussed, all the BS. Yeah, that's called interest, which in turn causes... Hey, hey! Uh, yeah. So, I mean, you can't have everything you want all the time, Aaron. Why not? It just doesn't work that way. Oh, so that BS that you, ha- you call, yeah, it's there, but it's because we obsess over the NF freaking L. <laughs> and that's why you're this megastar that you are. And receive this money and make all these commercials and do all the things that you do and are on Jeopardy and blah, 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 because you're, you are a major star in this country. You, you, don't, you don't see them doing uh, basketball players in Jeopardy. You didn't see them doing football or baseball players. But there was Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Because NFL quarterbacks right. are the top of the heap. King of the no, hill. No one can say that. A number one. He's got all the... Leverage and all, and you don't want to challenge him on that. But it's easy for me to do sitting here because you'll never hear it. But it's the truth. And I think we both talk to people in sports who say it's the truth. It'll tell you, though, go ahead and talk bad about us. It means you care. The worst thing is when you don't talk about us and it's quiet. That's apathy. That's the bad sign. Oh, I hate apathy. And I don't even know what it means. I just know it's not good. Pretty sure you know what it means. I don't care what it means. I think you do. Carson Wentz, sprained ankles, plural. So you didn't get that. I don't care what apathy means. See? Yeah, I didn't get it. You're right. I'd moved on. <laughs> I'd moved on to Carson Wentz. I was the one who was apathetic, as it turned out. 
Two sprained ankles against the Rams. His status for Tennessee. Yeah, but I mean, I need to know where. Whether they're high, low, or yes. medium. Yes. I don't know. I mean, if they're high, my guess is they're not doomed. high. They're not high because if they were, we would have heard, and he'd be out for multiple weeks. So I'm thinking they're low to medium. Okay. I hope so for our sake because I've been a Colts fan back since they played in Chicago. Seattle Seahawks coach Pete Carroll says he respects what the NFL is trying to do, but more strictly enforcing the taunting rule, but he believes the league has opened up a bit of a can of worms. That penalizing actions can be difficult for players to suddenly avoid amid the emotions of a game. Yeah, but if you're going fishing, a can of worms is exactly what you want. <laughs> They're fishing for less taunting. But when are you taunting and when you're just celebrating with your teammates? Well, just stay away from anybody. But if you made a tackle, you're right next to somebody. Then you're right in around. the end zone. In the end zone, it's pretty easy. You keep running through the end zone. You do the Lambo leap and run to the fans. That's, that's the easy part. I think you can celebrate any play without taunting. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Tampa Bay Buccaneers have reached out to free agent cornerback Richard Sherman after placing Sean Murphy Bunting on injured reserve. Sherman's been dealing with legal issues stemming from a domestic incident at the home of his wife's parents in Redmond, Washington in July. He was charged with five misdemeanors, including two counts of domestic violence. Well, I, yeah, I, I, I'm far more concerned with his personal life and, and getting all that stuff in order. And if that comes to pass and he's good enough, then have at it. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Yeah, I have a lot of trust in those guys. Those men have helped me build this program. And so I have a lot of trust in what they do and how they call a game. I've been involved in the meetings. I've seen their game plan. I watch their practices. I see what they're trying to accomplish and have a lot of trust in them. And that's what our culture is about is that we trust the guys in their roles and empower them and then see how they can flourish. And then I'm just there along the way. If there's anything to help out, I'm there to help. I'm very fortunate to have wonderful coaches that work for me. And I think a lot of people forget about our support staff and forget about our graduate assistants and our analysts. All those people do some wonderful things for us from anyone in this building, from our strength coaches to trainers, to everybody that's involved, equipment people. Everyone has their roles, and I'm very fortunate to have great leaders in all those positions to help. (laughs) That's exactly what I was just saying. (laughs) Nailed it. Gosh, do I know my stuff or what? Or what? Sometimes I just sit back and look at me. Man, can you be this good? (laughs) And the answer is yes. (laughs) Now back to you and your greatness. Oh, I think, gosh. It's, Man. it's so apparent. I tell the people the truth. And some of them don't like to hear it, but nevertheless, that's my job. I'm tired of it. I Just for one week, I'd like to shut up the trolls. <laughs> you and Aaron Rodgers. Ride your bikes around Green Bay. <laughs> <laughs> but they care. That's why you get the big money, PK. True. <laughs> The American Athletic Conference has extended the contract of Commissioner Mike Oresco for almost three years through June of 2025. He's a former CBS Sports executive hired as Big East Commissioner in 2012 during the sweeping conference realignment. Of course, they're right in the middle of it. Yeah, and see, I think that's the point I'm making with Kalani. You need him. You need Tom Homo. You need Oresco. Right? As a conference, that conference is in a vulnerable spot right now. They, they got just raided. Lost, they just lost Houston, Cincinnati, yeah. and UCF. They're bringing in teams. <clears throat> Air Force. <clears throat> CSU. They need 
leadership, if you believe in the leadership... Then stick with it. Yes. You're rolling. you got so a good thing going. the principle here is the exact same thing we were just talking about in Provo. Or as Gordon says, down air. <laughs> and that, it, now's the time for that. If you believe in it, and I believe they do believe in Tom, and they do believe Kalani. Kalani believes in his staff. There's so much belief at that faith-based institution that it's don't even need faith anymore. 14-1. and one. It's a nice roll. Not hearing from a lot of the trolls. We'll have to get to that. <laughs> and there are multiple trolls wearing multiple colors, and they're all very quiet. We'll get to that coming up. We silenced them. I don't think we did. (laughs) I think they did. Miami quarterback De'Ara King has a shoulder injury. Further evaluation is needed. They won't need him against Central Connecticut State, you would assume. He was hurt during the loss to Michigan State on Saturday. CCS? Are you kidding me? Yeah, CCS. (laughs) DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Vegas, baby. You were just talking about how you spent a lot of time in Vegas. Jazz are going to spend a little more time in Vegas. Training camp going to Las Vegas, September 28, 29, and 30. A little three-day trip. They're going to practice at the Win Las Vegas, return to Salt Lake on October 1st to continue Yeah, I would like camp. to hear what the reasoning is. They sent out the release yesterday, but there's there was no comments. And they'll have the media day on Monday where they'll be able to talk about that. Uh, this coming Monday, as to what their line of thinking was. We know Sacramento used to go down there because Maloof's had ownership and yep. in property there. Uh, they've since uh, gotten rid of the team and all that stuff. Uh, you know, what what is their point? What are they? What are they thinking? What their thinking is? Taking them on the road so they can bond. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you can bond anywhere. I mean, these bunch of well, they got some new guys. They have some new guys. as you have every year. I mean, the, the thing about it, as we were talking about in the break, it's not like NFL or spring training in baseball where it's a month long. I mean, it's three days. Yeah. That's that's not even a road, real road trip in the NBA. <laughs> that's I mean? really not much. Yeah. No. no, they're used to the four games, six days, right, five games, right. seven days kind of thing. Right. That's an NBA road trip. Right. It's the, the big Eastern swing. Yeah. There's a couple other things it could be. Uh, you know, the Jazz have been trying to polish their national image and their pitch for free agents. We're not some We're cool. team. We're cool. We go man. to Vegas. And USA Basketball Street goes cred. to Vegas for a reason. Players are players want to go to Vegas. And Houston just took, I was just reading yesterday, Houston took their team for a team bonding thing to the Bahamas. Well, Lakers used to go to Hawaii. Yeah. So, little perks you throw out there. Uh, one thing that just came across in NBA news, J.J. Redick has announced his retirement. It's all over, huh? 16 years. Well, I expect we'll see him in that three-on-three thing pretty yeah, soon. He squeeze a lot shoot. out of that, man. You yeah. had to look at him and say, well, I pretty much got everything he had 16 years. That's incredible. That's a long time in the NBA. It really is, yeah. Golden State Warriors swingman Clay Thompson making, quote, good progress. I told quote. you I saw him riding a bike. In his rehabilitation from a right Achilles injury. I told you that in July. And he will participate in controlled drills. I looked at him. He looked at me. He said, hey, what's up? Did and you I, knew everything was good. He just blew by you. He and did you, not. And you went, hey, that's Clay Thompson. He's right there. 
Control drills during training camp has returned within the season. Well, they're going to make a determination about that timeline. Wasn't well, that redundant? On. Control drills? Is there such a thing as uncontrolled drills? If they were uncontrolled, well, they would be just drills. playing five on five. I don't. I think the point that's is not drills. Five on five. That's not drills. Drills by their nature are controlled. So he'll be doing some drills, but not other drills. I think they're pointing out all that drills was, are controlled. I think they're pointing out that he's going to be. You didn't say some control drills. You just said controlled drills. I liked you better when you were talking about your greatness. That was hilarious. Well, that's part of my greatness, understanding the language <laughs> as he intended it when he created it. Except you said you didn't care about apathy. <laughs> I said I don't care about you. No, I've done that for a long time. That's redundant and repetitive. Let me say it again. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Here's the 2-2. And Votto swings and a high drive. Deep right field. Back is Tsutsugo. Gone. Tie game. Joey Votto with his second home run tonight. That is his third home run in his last three at-bats. Marte's 1-0. And that's cranked deep to right field. Rojas is back looking up. Grand slam. Marwin Gonzalez. 10-0 Astros. Highlights from full day of uh, Major League Baseball. The Joey Votto there. He went twice. Went deep twice for the Reds. He beat the Pirates. 9-5. The Reds are trying to chase the Cardinals for that last wild card playoff berth. But the Cardinals, nine straight wins. They beat the Brewers 5-2. John Lester wins his 200th game. Is 200 the new 300? Nah, 250 is the new 300. What do you think? Why? Why wouldn't... I don't know that it's changed. Well, yeah, you're done with four-man rotations. You've gone to five and sometimes five plus a day off. And they're taking you out after five or six innings. So That's all you need. You're unlikely to win. I know, but the, whether you win or not is more... On the bullpen at that point, so you could have wins blown by the bullpen. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't see that. But go ahead. Salvador Perez hit his 46th home run, breaking Johnny Bench's record for home runs by a catcher in a season. Royals beat the Indians seven to two. Perez is tied with Vlad Guerrero Jr. for the major league lead in homers, and he leads Major League Baseball with 115 ribbies. Massive number. What is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Frank Dolce at 830, Utah Insider and Analyst for the Zone Sports Network. Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver at 905. Stay with us right here on the Zone. The question of the day is on the way in about 15 minutes. for the Utes in the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes open up Pac-12 play as they welcome in Washington State for an early start. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 10.30 with the postgame show immediately following the game on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
You want to or what? I mean, you're just stalling here. You led me to water. Join the big show Friday at the warehouse from 2 to 7 p.m. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! <laughs> or in this case, today, instead of boom, body to body to body to body to. It's always sad when the 21st falls on a weekend and y'all can't do this. It is. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. I call it Earth, Wind, and Fire Day. Good thing is we've been around so darn long that we'll get it. <laughs> we'll get back. Yeah, <laughs> It'll move back to a weekday. It's a great smile tune. I mean, everyone smiles when you hear this tune. I don't think there's a soul on the face of the earth who doesn't like this. Head starts bobbing. Yeah. I mean, it's catchy. It's just a fun tune. It's timeless. Oh, obviously. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, what, what, it's way past. I don't know how long 40, is it out. What is it? Forty years? Fifty? No, past forty. I would think. Really? I would think this song's older than forty. Oh, years. well, forty years is eighty, so it's got to right. be older yeah. than that. It's got to be older than that. Yeah, I mean, it's just somebody would tell you forty years is eighty-one. <laughs> it's it's, it's awesome. coming up on fifty. I I don't know. There, I don't know yeah. how long it's been out, and I haven't contemplated it. I just know it's a really good tune, and you're right. That's the thing about music. Great music is timeless. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's today, if it's 30 years ago, if it's 50 years ago, or it's being released. Uh, Old Dominion is putting out an album next week. Released in 1978. 43 years. 43 years, yeah. Never was a cloudy day. Who doesn't love that? I mean, come on. And you say body ah? Who says body ah? They say body ah, and they got a hit. I wish I would have thought when I was that age. I should have just gone around. Hey, what's up, body ah? Might have made some money, body ah. When you say body ah, you can only think of one thing, and you can't just think about body ah. You can't just say body ah. You've got to sing body ah. You got to go, and you got to go as high as you can. Body ah. You just don't body ah, body ah. I mean, but once you put a tune and a melody, dude, body ah. You know exactly what it is. Body Am I right? Body yeah. Probably. I was I was kind of separating the tracks in my mind, listening a little more to the music. Right, but you gotta have you can't just have the music, you gotta have Body Go out and you got people, man, woman, child, who's ever listening, go up to somebody today and say, Body Boom, they'll know. It's the twenty first of September. I think they won't know. It's like, uh, like we'll know. It's you. like Jesus' birthday. Boom. 25th of December. Uh, July 24th. Carl Malone's birthday. They'll know these things. You just go up to anybody. God, test me and then come back later today. Go up to when you get to work, when you go home and you kiss honey uh, after whatever, and you just look at her and say, Buddy, ah! Today's the 21st. <laughs> she know exactly what it is. I will give you a full report tomorrow. Go home. You have a little piece of information for University of Utah fans from the University of Utah that you would like to share with the masses before we get into the next segment and get to the multicolored trolls who have been trying to drag the BYU football program down. And they are multicolored trolls. We'll get to that in a minute. But first, the University of Utah. Oh, I believe that... uh Cam Rising is going to start. No one's told me this. I believe he's going to start, and I've got one reason. Just play with swagger. That's Cam. <laughs> they asked him, what does the team need to do? What did he say? Just play with swagger. Guy's got swagger. I've told you that for weeks and months and years. He's got swagger. They keep bringing in 500 transfer quarterbacks and eight-star kids out of Southern California. 
not brought in the eight star court. Well, you bring in two fours, that equals eight. <laughs> right? You add him up. And why is he going to start? Just play with swagger. Dude's got swagger. He's got the stash, the hair. He does have the stash and the hair. Yeah. That's part of the swag. He's got the visor on the helmet. He's got it going on, man. If I had to go with one thing with him, he is comfortable in chaos. It's swag. Running left, running right, stepping up in the pocket, whatever he's got to do to buy more time. Feet aren't aren't set, doesn't matter. ACDC saying girls got rhythm. I'm telling you, Cam Rising's got swagger. I told you that before he even took a snap. Can he transfer it to the receivers? Yes. That would be good. They're good enough to catch the ball. They're here because they've caught the ball. And then, due to a lack of swag, doubt creeps into their mind, and the ball does not get caught. And quarterbacks cannot live by tight ends and running backs alone. They're going to need receivers to make plays down the field. Quarterbacks have been trusting the tight ends and the running backs, and they've been making some plays. But they're going to need receivers to make well, plays I mean, down the field. Their receivers are who they are. They're not going to change. They haven't changed in 20 years. Yet occasionally they get somebody, Tim Patrick, although he's hurt most of the time he was here, uh, and he's still scored, in the NFL. Yeah, just scored another touchdown uh, in the NFL this last so, weekend. I'm more worried about the line and the quarterback. The quarterback's got to have swag. He has swag. That's the bottom line. And you were on me yesterday because I've been saying this for weeks and months. You can't deny it. Well, you should have told Kyle. Yeah, freaking Urban Meyer got the wrong starting quarterback. Good response. It took a day, but I like it. Well, I didn't want to hurt you bad. I mean, sometimes I have to pull back. Part of that with Urban, though, is Alex was hurt. your ego. <laughs> You know what I mean? I can't just be crushing at all times. It doesn't work. We're a partnership. I can't win every time. DJ PK, when we come back, BYU rolling. But that just leads to a potential new set of problems. The trolls have been dealt with. The next problem. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. DJ PK, it's time for Hot Takes Your Toast. We've got our question of the day right here, and it's brought to you by... Utah Facial Plastics. PK. What? Aaron Rodgers made trolls the word of the morning for us. Packers win. Get the trolls off our back. And you point out that the trolls are also the people who bring the cash. All that interest, all that passion, all that complaining. They bring the cash. Now here, it comes down to the rivalry. And of course, now we got our question of the day here. What is your concern level that Kalani Sataki will take a higher paying job at USC or somewhere else? Utah, even. Jessica says Sataki is a class act. He will honor his contract. He needs to do what is best for him. I'm happy for him. Funny, all those BYU fans who were wanting him fired two seasons ago are now silent. Well, BYU fans are no different than any fans, though. They want to win. Yeah. Four and nine, seven and six, seven and six. Right. That was a three year run up to two years ago. Yeah. So But now they're quiet. And those same BYU oh, I don't think they're quiet. I think they're ecstatic. I mean, they're <laughs> running their mouths loud. They're just talking about something different now. Yes. Our greatness. Well, yeah, they're behind the guy. They love him. They love him to the nth degree right now. The U fans who are uh, complaining about the strength of schedule, they're they're pretty quiet now. Well, yeah, you'd fans you gotta be quiet because 
you can't say, well, a lousy schedule when all they've done is play Pac-12 teams. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so, one by eight. You're and putting by yourself nine. down by, and by saying that. You're in a big quandary right now. <laughs> that you're, you, if you want to rip their schedule, we suck. <laughs> That's what you're saying. There's a meme I literally just saw. It's got a guy who's like sweating. He's got two buttons to press. One says BYU is overrated. One says Pac-12 is not good. Yeah. Pac-12 is good. Excuse me. You. you pick your pick your poison. The fact is they've. What are they? Fourteen and one? Is that what you said? Yes, Over eleven and one last year, mm-hmm. three and zero this year. They won fourteen in the last fifteen games. Yeah, I mean that's just amazing. So you can scream schedule, but this year and you scream schedule loud enough last year. Shut up already, jeez. And now this year, you have all Pac-12 defeats, and so it really to being a Utah fan relative to BYU right now. It's just best just acknowledge they beat us. They won. Congratulations. Because you got a couple of things going on. You you have this internal conflict in that you really like Sataki the man. You just do. He spent 10 years there, man. He helped you transition and set you up, helped set you up. And the boss of the program really likes him. The families like each other. So you don't want to go and start ripping them there. And then they've done nothing but beat your conference and beat your division. I mean, it's amazing to think that they're 3-0 and in your division. And they still have one more game to go and then a game against the uh, Washington State Cougars in the north. So you've got those things going on there. It just creates all sorts of conflict for you. So just say, hey, they won. We beat them at 9 out of 10. I mean, I, any any series in the history of college football, I'll take nine out of ten. There aren't that many ten yeah. game win streaks and seasons, <laughs> yeah. and I'd have to go look them up. But there yeah. aren't that many going on right now. Yeah, in in uh, with a with a rivalry, no less. Not just yeah, a Iowa, series. Iowa, Iowa State. I just read about it, and that was like six. Yeah, and Alabama is <clears throat> like an eight on Florida. I think. If I'm a Ute fan, I'm far more concerned about my team getting on the right track than the fact that I lost to BYU. Sure, it sucks, right. but you weren't going to beat him every year for the rest of eternity. That's no, I think you sure. fans are fixated on, okay, how bad is this year going to be, and what is the path back? That's the most important thing, not the fact that you lost to BYU. So for Cougar fans, what's your concern level that Kalani will take a higher-paying job at USC or someplace else? Now, just because trolls can't complain about the schedule— and they can't complain about the amount of winning at BYU. They, there's got to be something to complain about. Uh, and Dan says, really, DJ PK? The guy wins three games and you already have him shopping a new gig? No, we don't. Come on, man. Bruce Feldman, Fox Sports does. I can freaking verify it, too. Whether you want to believe it or not, I can show you texts. I don't care whether you believe it. I don't care if you believe a word I say. Because when I go into reporting mode... I have got a nearly a friggin' 40-year record. Matt says, none, DJ. You need to quit trying to start this crazy talk. Coach is BYU. You and your silly questions. I'm still <laughs> loving you guys this morning show. P.S. I knew they'd be 3-0 at this point. So did the rest of Cougar Nation. No, Stinking media. No, no, they, they didn't. <laughs> I didn't know. I'm pleasantly I surprised. Know. Vegas Money didn't know. They got I hope underdogs they were... in two of the three. Uh, uh, best case scenario, obviously, is to win as many games as you play. 
but I wouldn't have bet because I'm not going to bet on anything anyway. It's just not my nature. Uh, so all these things in mind. And to me, it's not that Kalani would leave. It's that the board of trustees are going to pay enough money. That's where the concern is because the same thing could be carried over to Mark Pope. And Mark Pope is developing a brand name. He played in the NBA. He coached other places before he got to BYU, not just in the West. He's got all sorts of contacts out there. He knows Patino. Patino knows basketball, no matter what you think of him and scenes from an Italian restaurant. To quote hey, it, it, Patino carries a lot of weight in basketball, and he's, he's a disciple a of lot. Patino. Yeah. yeah, so all you got to do is get a recommendation from Patino, and you're good to go. <laughs> I, mean, that, I mean, that guy... You know, he's got some, uh, uh, what, faults in his personality for sure and all that stuff. But on the floor in basketball, the guy's just really, really good. No one can argue that. And so BYU needs to come to the plate because they are set up now. This is the most exciting time in BYU sports history, just as it was a decade ago when the Utes were going into the Pac-12. Exact same thing. And for BYU with that brand that they have and the 20,000 and the 64,000 and blah, 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 the potential there is really incredible. The combination of the unknown and the possibilities. And I want these guys to stay. Catholic Matt is on the phone, longtime BYU fan. Catholic Matt, good morning. What is that? (laughs) Aren't these great times, man, right now? This, this is a fantastic time. Yes. Are you kidding me? Yes. I was debating whether I should even call, but uh, just because the Cougs are on a roll and I don't want to say anything bad to jinx it. No, that's go ahead. I'm kind of at. Run your mouth. <laughs> run it. <laughs> I'm going to run it, baby. You know, what I want to call about is uh, third down efficiency. I think when BYU, especially against Utah, when they were running the ball and converting those third downs, uh, I think that's huge for this team going forward this year. Uh, there's there's some tough teams coming up, and I'm you know Utah State's no slouch. Nope. Uh, of course, they got to get by by Southern Florida this uh, this this weekend. But I'm watching out for that Utah State team. I think that could be a very interesting game if if they can get above if they can beat Boise State this weekend. That would be an interesting game. Two four and teams going at it. Oh yeah, yeah, in, yeah. Uh, I would love to up see in that. Logan. That would, yeah, that would be that would be something. It really would. And and uh, you know they got some players, and that that coach up there's definitely uh, yep. brought some brought something to to Ogden. I mean Logan. Now, I see what so you did awesome there. For them. <laughs> it was a shot. <laughs> What's that? Anyway, <laughs> Boise State's always tough. Uh, you, you just get in these rivalry games, man, and you just never know what's going to freaking happen. So here's the point I'm trying to make, baby. These guys, you want to freaking go undefeated this year. You guys got a goal. You can't, you can't worry about the outside crap. You can't worry if Kalani's going to take another job. You can't worry if A-Rod's going to get poached from somewhere else. You can't worry about who's going to go to the NFL. You play for today, baby. You play for today. You play for this weekend. You play for the next weekend. And you kick some freaking ass. This is about time that BYU has got some freaking hog mollies up front. Six foot six. Six foot eight. 300 pounds of freaking beef, baby. When's the last time we saw an O-line like this at BYU? It's been a minute. 
yeah, last year they had it, but it's been a freaking minute since they've had something this this physical. This team is physical. Let's get freaking nasty, baby. Let's get down, baby. Let's get dirty. Let's dance. Let's dance on some throats. I'm telling you, man, this could be a very special year. It could be awesome. And if it is, hey, did you see what I saw? Someone's picking BYU maybe to the Rose Bowl. Oh, yes, my Lord. goodness. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. You fans would go ballistic if BYU went to the Rose Bowl Festival. before them. Oh, no, no, no. Rose Bowl. I saw it on a tweet. I don't know <laughs> well, that it's true. Was. It must be true if it was on a tweet. Was. It was on a tweet from some dude in Oklahoma who knows everything about football. Because Oklahoma and Texas, that's where it's at. Oh, we're too big for the Big 12. We're going to go to the SEC and get our asses kicked. Well, guess what? I'm glad you're leaving because BYU is going to come in and own that freaking conference. It's about damn time, baby. I am ecstatic. This is awesome. It's a great time to be a Coug. And guess what? what? We're all dancing. All We're all right. dancing. All right. We're dancing Catholic, on the ceiling. Catholic, Catholic Matt Catholic. right there. Catholic all Matt right. dancing on the ceiling. I'm going to cross myself right now. I do believe Catholic Matt has hit one of those drive through coffee places, and uh, he got a double. Double spread. He is so. fully loaded. Yeah, he got, there's some caffeine in that guy right there. He is all sorts of fired up. These are great times for BYU. Why wouldn't you? I mean, this has been an incredible month. You know, just thinking of where they were just a couple years ago, their legend being fired, and then I'm, I put out, uh, they fired him. No, they didn't fire him. They didn't fire him. They didn't fire him. Yeah, they fired him. My goodness. Let's call it like it is. I realize it's not going to take away from anything that he did as a player, uh, but it didn't work there as a, as a coach, and then they had two seven and six seasons, blah, 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 and it was just, and Utah's, not, not only that, Utah's winning the division and going to the conference title game both of those years. Ranked and, in the top 10 yeah, at one point. And they're yeah. deep into November discussing possibilities of being in the playoff uh, to where Paul Feinbaum, nobody wants to see Utah. Oh, Paul, come on, I appreciate you, but that, that is, that's wrong. It's about competition on the field. and you know, Who cares what somebody in uh, Huntsville, Alabama wants to watch? You know, It's about competition. That's the great part of it all. And you were sucking, and now... In just a month's time, you've gone. It, there's no better feeling to go three and zero and having be an all against South Division teams because that forces your rivals' fans to just be quiet because you're going to incriminate yourself. Like one time, I was playing pickup ball at ASU, and you know, you call your own fouls, mm-hmm. and the one guy says, "A foul." Yeah. You fouled me. And the guy says, fouled you? I wasn't even near you. <laughs> You're supposed to be guarding him. You just incriminated yourself. You weren't even near him? Why not? You incriminated yourself there. So you got the 3-0, and and there's no better feeling to beat those three teams. And then the Big 12, who cares? Oklahoma and Texas are leaving. What's Texas ever done in our lifetime if you're 10 years old. <laughs> okay, I was about to say. <laughs> what have they done since they've been young is what you were trying to say. Well, it's back to 05, so you'd be 16. <laughs> okay, yeah. So that's a good long while now. And Oklahoma, given that they're, they're due, yeah, sure, they're a big dog, no doubt about it. But so what? You brought in you brought in some pretty good programs, no doubt about it, man. Led by, led by BYU. Because if you're going to rank the order of teams that they wanted, 
Oh, I saw that written by multiple national guys. You I know, did B- not, but I just oh, know yeah, yeah. The I, BYU. Well, I, I don't the, need to see it because BYU it's is the, the obvious truth. first choice in slam dunk. I don't. And need, then who, who gives a crap about national guys? Because allegedly they don't have any bias, like a local homer. Everybody like has you or me. bias. That's true. So that's uh, why I used allegedly. But everyone has bias. So you take it. Everyone has bias. But I don't need some low. I told you weeks ago they were going to the Big Twelve. I don't need some national guy to come on and verify truth. Truth is what it is. BYU was the number one choice. These are the days. Kyle says, "Who in the heck would want to coach at the University of Spoiled Children? Maybe Aunt Becky from Full House." Nice, Kyle. Good work. Is that the one who got the kid in the school? Uh huh. Yes. Both of her daughters. What's her name? Lori. Laughlin? Lori Laughlin, yep. Yeah, now is she in a slam or she in Sing Sing? Uh, she got. Did she go to. I don't um, think she went to Sing Sing. Alcatraz? Sing Sing, no. Did they ship her over to Alcatraz? No. Where'd she go? Folsom? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Folsom, yes. <laughs> Do a concert there? <laughs> Folsom County Blues! <laughs> Did she drop a man in Reno? <laughs> <laughs> Just a feeling guy. Aaron says, I don't think Kalani is an Urban Meyer type. There's more to life than dollars. You know what's funny is that everybody thinks their guy is different. Yes. (laughs) And there were fools who thought Urban was going to be here long term. Good one. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, they really believe that. Our guy is different. Our guy won't leave. Urban left the Mountain West to go to the SEC and try to win a national title because he could literally go undefeated at Utah and not even be allowed to play for it. So he was always moving on. Now, if you're in the Big 12 and the playoff system changes, I mean, that's, that's a different deal. And I do think the playoff system is about to change. That's why I think BYU is going to... And it's not just Kalani that he's talking about himself. It's about the budget... The football budget, it's about the staff. And I can tell you, I have had multiple assistant coaches over 20 years tell me about how underpaid they are relative to their Well, we could both pull out our phones and get a recent text from someone who worked there who said, uh, bleeping underpaid. Yeah. And those things matter. And and a follow-up call, like not by 20%. Not by 50%. They're talking about oh, yeah, there's, yeah. there's coaches there, if you go across the athletic department, who could double or triple their salary by leaving BYU. That's from somebody who has cashed paychecks there. And I think BYU is going to recognize it, and they're going to continue to work on it. Randy's with you. Randy says, not near as high. You know, how much are you worried about Kalani leaving? He says, not nearly as high. His level of concern. Now that they'll be in the Big 12, that should equal more pay for him and his assistants. Yeah, because even if he stays... You need the staff. Yeah. Nobody wins by themselves. you got to have a good staff. Especially because they can't go out and get anybody who the coach wants. You know, as I understand it, it's a laborious process to get hired there. you got to go through 5,500 interviews and whatever and all this stuff. And you got to... You just got to do a bunch of stuff that you know, just takes time and, and so forth. So uh, it has to be the right fit. And you got a bunch of guys there who are the right fit. And now the guys that Kalani hired who didn't have that much experience, well, now they got it. Right? <laughs> They've been there for six years. And so they're in their positions. 
and Tuiaki being at the top of the list, who hadn't coordinated a defense. Well, now he has for six years. And defense playing pretty good. And now, you know, it's a, it's a major blow to lose Peely as a linebacker because I said yesterday I can make a strong case for the best linebacker. I can make a strong case for the best player on defense. And now he's done. So you've got to find ways to compensate for that. And you want your guys in, – in the way that we spoke of – Oresco staying at AAC, Tom staying as AD at BYU, and Kalani staying as head coach. When you got things in place, you want guys to stay. And I can tell you, and this is an absolute fact, when Kalani got the job, he wanted to hire somebody from another staff for a position. I don't want to give out names. And he was told, go ahead, make him an offer, because whatever you make, I'm just going to double it. Because I want my guy to stay. Well, I mean, you got to look out for that stuff. Money, money matters in in especially in, the job. It's got to be a risk reward thing going on, especially the job where there's a lot of risk. High Think, risk, high reward. Sure, things don't go well. You're an assistant door. is done in a year. Yeah, they're a, usually a, you're sacrificed first. Oh yeah, a well qualified, talented assistant with a lot of loyalty might get two. <laughs> that's that's it. The head coach. Might get three. Yeah. So it's high risk, high reward. And if guys are going to get paid other places, they're going to go other places. Because when you get let go, you're done and nobody's looking out for you then. I think it's great that they have A-Rod in there. They have someone who has a ton of experience. And it's sort of like a, a you know lower level, obviously, to the level of accomplishment. But it's a Pete Carroll, Norm Chow type thing going on. You know, you've got the offense and the defense, and they're both running and they're in concert with each other. And so, like Norm had, A-Rod has a ton of freedom offensively, and he's got a ton of experience through bad times, too. Not all great times, but that's what you want. You know, you, you want all you sorts of experience. Because there's going to be yeah. times this year, it's not going to be a bed of roses this whole year. Everything's not going to be perfect. And so you got to rely on your training and your experience to know and your ability to break down film, all the things that interrelate with people, blah, blah, blah. And Zach Wilson thought enough of A-Rod to bring him back to Cleveland for the NFL draft. That, that speaks volumes. That's right. And he brought Fessy Sataki, too. Two guys off his staff. Kalani being the just, third one, of course. I would just caution anyone who... Um we got a lot of comments here about this is home and Kalani's invested and and there's a lot so of was Brian Harson at Boise. There's I was going to say there's a lot of truth to that, but don't take him for granted and don't try to push him around because Kalani loved it at Utah and he's obviously got this great relationship with Kyle, but he left. Felt like he got pushed in a corner. Felt like he didn't get treated right, and he went with Gary to Oregon State. So. You know, he was invested here. Don't he had a home? I knew exactly yeah. where his home was. Don't don't push him around. Give him what is due. Do what is smart for the program in the Big Twelve in the long run. Those are the same things. I was talking to him one time in the in the practice facility, the indoor thing. It was early on, and talking about you know he's such a nice dude, and he looked at me and he said, "Yeah, you know I know I got that rep." He stepped back and he said, "Don't." Piss me off. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And, and the thing said is, it like, whoa. He wasn't it, talking to me. He was just talking about in general. Because I, I know I would never do that to him. And people <laughs> can say, and you have been told many things, but you always look to see if the actions back up the words. 
look at his career. I don't think going to Oregon State was his first choice, but I think he was pushed into a corner and he saw this career move that could be beneficial. And so he took it. And if things were going great, I don't know that he would have. And I don't know that he can really answer that because things weren't going great at that point. So it's not, that's not the option that presented itself to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But given his options, if you push him around, he's, he's not just going to roll over. I think they're going to take care of him. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Frank Dolce, Ute Insider. What is wrong with the Utes and the back-to-back losses? What has to be fixed? We will talk about that with Frank next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. I've got one question. Is Utah where quarterbacks go to die? Jake Bentley threw for 3,100 yards and 27 touchdowns to South Carolina. He comes to Utah and can't complete a 15-yard out. Charlie Brewer throws for 9,000 yards, leads a team to a New Year's Six game in Baylor, and comes to Utah and for some reason can't seem to complete a deep ball or lost any kind of mojo he had when he came here. So I don't know what's happening with Charlie Brewer. I kind of feel like mentally he's collapsing a bit. My assumption is we're going to see Cam Rising coming up against Washington State. I think you're going to see him starting at quarterback because Charlie Brewer's showing quite a few issues. Hanson Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And Football Fridays are presented by Stonehaven Dental. It's Stonehaven Dental. They say yes. Yes to free exams. Yes to x-rays for new patients. And yes to flexible appointments. Say yes to great dental care. Visit StonehavenDental.com to schedule an appointment. Okay, yes. Yeah. Good to go. Frank Dolce is going to join us momentarily to talk about the Utes. PK... Your level of confidence and the youth's ability to turn this around and make it a good season. Well, I'm not into that right now. I'm into Washington State. Just need one, huh? Yeah. Got to get because the next you one. need to have more than ever right now from the Utah football program the tunnel vision. And I don't want to hear that there's zero and zero in conference. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Everybody is unless you played one game and only well, two teams have played. Well, now there's been more than that. Yeah. Obviously, but for for Utah, it's not about being zero and zero. It's about playing much better against Washington State. Because if I'm thinking conference, then I'm thinking SC in a couple of weeks. I'm thinking whomever Oregon in November. You know, the traditional big Stanford is looking good all of a sudden, right? I think that's what Stanford did. You look at what Stanford did. Same thing. Disappointing. It came earlier. Stanford loses in a non-competitive game against K-State. Comes back the next week, makes a quarterback change. It's 2-0 since the quarterback change. I believe the Utes are going to make a quarterback change. Go 1-0 since the quarterback change. At Stanford now, the air's cleaner. Food tastes better. Huh. On and on and on, right? That's what you've got with Stanford. They're, they're 2-0 since the quarterback change. Uh, who they play last week? Who they beat? Come on, 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 come on! Stanford last week beat Vanderbilt. Right, because it was a smart school. So it's out of the league, but they're still two and zero, one and zero. It's like that first game didn't happen. I don't want Utah to be talking about their zero and zero. I want them to be talking about Washington State. 
Frank Dolce joins us now on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain is having an end-of-season sale on their irrigation smart controller. Save 50% off each smart controller purchased. Offer available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit smartrain.net, smartrain.net to schedule a demo today. Frank, good morning. Good morning, guys. Frank, you know why we have you on. To fix what ails the Utes, <laughs> your Utes. Yes, Frank. Yep. Fix them. Where do you start? Well, we, you know where we start. It starts right up front, and uh, that that position group is uh, is just going to have to get much better if they're going <laughs> to start winning some games. I mean, I think there's. I don't think it's. Uh, a desperate situation for Utah. I think they're lacking a little uh, identity on the offensive side. We've, we've seen Utah teams go through this before. I think um, they don't, you know, they haven't found the Zach Moss um, type of running back quite yet. I think they have a couple of good guys, a couple of good options. Maybe they're not, they're not going to have a Zach Moss type this year. And um, and they need to settle in on the quarterback, and I think maybe we're we're going to see that this weekend. But but truthfully, you know, when things go well for Utah, it starts up front, and on the and when things go poorly for Utah, it starts up front. So I think that's the place where you have to get a lot better going into Washington State. What do you think of my idea? Stop talking about zero and zero in conference. Because that implies that you have an opportunity. Don't worry about that. That'll take care of itself. And the sole entire focus is simply on winning, beating Washington State. And I refer it back to Stanford. They lose. They lose awful in the first game. Make a quarterback change. They beat SC. They beat Vanderbilt. Suddenly the world is looking a whole lot brighter for them. I believe that's the same type of attitude that the Utes need to take. Just worry about winning Saturday afternoon. That's it. Yeah, I I tend to agree with that as well. You know, one week at a time sort of attitude. And I know that, you know, people want to talk about, well, all of the, you know, everything, that all the goals are still in front of this team um, in terms of conference play and opportunities exist and all of that. But, but you know, what? It, it just, just nothing, nothing matters unless you beat Washington State. And then right. if you beat Washington State, then you can think about the next week and you can think about the next week. And, you know, if you don't beat Washington State, then you have to reevaluate where, you, where you're headed. But, but um, yeah, I, I, like the one, I like the one game at a time kind of attitude. And that's always seemed to fit with Coach Whittingham's style is, you know, he just he, – he, he is pretty good about um, – getting past a win and getting past a loss and moving on to the next week and then just focusing on that week. So I think that's a good fit for, for what he wants to accomplish and what the team needs to accomplish this week. So you were on a couple of weeks ago uh, talking about the uh, mechanics and the mechanics were so good in the quarterback spot. Now the quarterback play has not been good. How much of those mechanics break down because of the pass rush, and is that a big reason to make the change here? Is that maybe they got a quarterback who's better on the move? Well, it's a good question because I still think that if you watch 
Charlie Brewer run around and throw the ball, you know, warming up and when he's not under pressure and things like that. He's mechanically very good. He's really good. And um, he throws a good ball and it looks right and, you know, everything seems to align. And, uh, but, and, that, and that happened against Weber State. And then in the past two weeks, you know, under pressure, uh, all of a sudden it's tough to, to be mechanically sound. And, and maybe, maybe what we're witnessing is a guy like Charlie Brewer, who's, who when he's not mechanically sound, then he struggles uh, with accuracy. And I think we saw that. It, it seemed to me that even against San Diego State, when there was a clean pocket or it, se- it seemed like he had time to throw the ball, the previous pressure was, was bothersome and his mechanics weren't great and he still wasn't, he, he still wasn't accurate with the ball. He was still having trouble with accuracy. So that's a, that's a hard thing. And, you, you know, you kind of scratch your head because you look back at, across his career at Baylor and he's thrown for, you know, 10,000-plus yards. And there's, there has to be something to that. Um, I still go. I still think that you know one thing we have to consider is that um, he, he probably had a different set of uh, assets available in terms of receiving group at Baylor. That was probably a, something that was helpful for him. Um, whatever the whatever the case is, if you're struggling up front and and you have a quarterback that that is struggling under pressure and doesn't necessarily have a great ability to break the pocket and make plays with his legs, you know, then you have to make the switch to a guy that does. And that's, that's Cam Rising. Cam Rising showed the ability to, even under pressure, still have some accuracy with the ball and the ability to break out of pressure and make a play with his legs or downfield with his arm on the run. So, you know, if the, if the, if the, if upfront is not going to be a strength, if, if you're going to struggle up front, then the complementary quarterback is a guy who is a little more mobile and has the ability to do something outside of the pocket. What do you think about making the change at quarterback? And I think they will simply because I've been around rising a little bit in the interviews, and, and I'm just always impressed with his sort of cockiness, confidence, swag, as he talks about. And I believe that the players see it too. There's there's a reason that Rising was voted a captain. Sure, uh, he wasn't he wasn't named the starter necessarily. They were still in a battle. But he was named a captain, and he he wears the C on his jersey, and so I think there's there's something to be said for that. And he does have uh, he does have a little bit of of uh, that swagger, and um, and you have to the guy, the guy came in, and I mean his first couple series weren't very good against San Diego State, but it seemed like it didn't bother him. Like, he was just going out for the next series. Okay, so now we're going to go score this series. We're going to go go score the next series or whatever. I mean, just have the ability to shake it off. So I think that's meaningful. And, and by the way, when your quarterback's struggling, um, all the other guys around you can start, you know, trying to rally around the quarterback. But it's a, there's a sense of, on the team of what's happening if your quarterback's not playing well, if your quarterback's struggling. That's, that's hard to overcome if your right. quarterback is, is losing confidence. And so – and when you have a guy come in there um, 
who hasn't who shows a little grit, it it just bolsters everybody, and I think that's what we saw on Saturday night. Anything else on this team worry you, or is the other stuff coming together now, and you're feeling pretty good? It's just getting this getting this figured out. Well, I mean, it's a, I think it's a little worrisome that there we, Utah really hasn't identified a go-to wide receiver. I mean, uh, Brit, Britton Covey is a guy that you want to get the ball a bunch, and they did. Uh, and Keithy and Kincaid and Fotheringham. I mean, there's a there's four guys right there that are you know very meaningful. In, in the passing game. Um, but I still feel like one other guy needs to emerge, maybe, a, you know, Jalen Dixon or, or Enos or Howard. One of those guys needs to become a go-to guy and a guy that can pressure a defense. And, and so I don't know. I mean, the, the fact that San Diego State was running five- and six-man pressure regularly just demonstrates they weren't too worried about you know, what was happening on the outside. Like, they felt like they could manage that. So I think that's a that's a little bit of a concern. I'm pretty optimistic about the defensive side. I mean, I looked at that game again, and and the defensive numbers are, are pretty darn good. And and I watched the way that Utah played that, that – I, I thought they played much better on the front. The one area where they failed is they, they lost the quarterback run game, which is, you know – that is uncharacteristic of a Utah defense, but they lost the quarterback run game. He ran for almost 100 yards, and that was a difference in the game. Certainly the, the poor special teams play was a difference in the game. The interception put the defense in a difficult spot. So I'm optimistic. I mean, I think the defense took a step forward, and, and if you just look at you know strictly the numbers on the defensive side, um, you could probably say that's a, that's a winning effort. So I'm optimistic about that. Uh, I think that's a good matchup against Washington State. You just, you know, the Utah offense, just this is the week for them to come along. I mean, it's a, it's a group that's going to have to score 20, 25, 30 points a game. They have a defense to bring with them now, it seems like, but, but they're going to have to put a few points on the board. And that's where I, you know, I still, there's a big question mark to me. So you're part of the group with Dave Fox and those guys. Does a great job on the high school coverage. Really appreciate that. I think it's awesome for the kids in the state. And with that in mind, you saw up close Jackson Dart play at Corner Canyon, obviously. And going forward here, he played at SC, came in for Slovis, and I thought he looked absolutely awesome. Uh, what was your assessment? I don't know if you saw the game, but I'm sure you're aware of it. I watched the whole thing and thought, you know, he had the first pick, pick on the first possession, and it just really, really took off. Uh, so put yourself in the position of evaluating him, and if you're the SE interim coach, what are you going to do? Well, that's a good question. I, I did have the opportunity to watch Jackson play several times in high school. He was very impressive. I made the comment a few times that, I thought he was the most game-ready, college-ready quarterback I've ever seen come out of the state of Utah. And, I mean, just the size, the athleticism, the arm strength, the ability to move, move the ball around the field. I just He seemed to have all the tools. The one tool you worry about is above the shoulders, and, and it seems like he passed that test in game one with USC. So uh, who knows? But maybe a budding superstar in our hands. But I, I'm really high on Jackson Dart. Uh, that's uh, that's a difficult situation to come into. He managed it extremely well. 
if he's the starter, I think he'll have success, but I also think he'll struggle a little bit. I mean, it's just part of the it's just part of the deal because the game changes. It's it's a speed difference, it's an athleticism difference, um, it's a complexity of defense difference. Although Coach Kerr did a really good job of preparing him, as he does all his quarterbacks, that's just a, it's a difficult step to take. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him have success, even as a true freshman. Um, but I'm, I'm also certain he'll have some struggles throughout that. In terms of whether or not he should uh, he should start, um, he should go. He should he should be the guy moving forward. I, I don't know. Washington State. I I don't know what to think of Washington State. I think that was a good opportunity for for Jackson to get some playing time. Um, but USC hasn't been especially productive prior to that with Slovis and. And depending on Slovis's injury, maybe you just give him another week off, and you say, "Hey, let's let's see what this see what this kid can do." It's not a throwaway season by any stretch for USC, but but uh, Jackson Dart certainly, with his effort on Saturday, is going to make it difficult in the in the coaching staff room about who to start on on uh, in the next game. I wouldn't be surprised to see Jackson Dart start, but that's. Uh, you know, that's a big, that's a big tall ask for a freshman. Well, it's Oregon State this week at home, and then it's Colorado on the road. So USC ought to be oh, four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. USC ought to I mean, be four they, and one they, when Utah comes they, calling. Yep. Yep. PK, yep. they might they might give you a call, PK. You could probably start those two games and, <laughs> and give USC a shot. I mean, that's... Uh, maybe a couple years ago. I don't know about now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean that's a good point. That's a good point. This might be just an excellent opportunity to give uh, Jackson Dart really good game experience uh, because those are two, as as we all know, those are two very beatable teams in the Pac-12. Frank, we appreciate it. You're of the man. course, it's my pleasure. It's great to catch up with you guys. Thank you, Frank. Frank Dolce, our Utah football insider and analyst for the Zone Sports Network. I think Oregon State's a little bit better than we may think. I think Colorado's going to struggle to win any game. Because you can't score. If you can't score, how do you win? You don't. Yeah. Three ranked teams less for USC. They got the midseason game with Notre Dame because it's back there, so that's October 23rd. And at the end of the year... They got a top five game. UCLA and BYU are both... Currently ranked UCLA twenty four and BYU up to fifteen. Well, the Bruins won't be ranked at the time, but the Cougars will be ranked in the right. top ten. But that's it; they got no other ranked schools on and their schedule. They'll be bearing so. down on it. That that might be for the Rose Bowl. <laughs> that's an earlier phone call. You had to be here because I take that serious. I found out where he saw it from. The guy named Big Big Game Boomer. He's an Oklahoma guy who puts out all these lists of different things, and he listed the. Does Big Game Boomer know that the Apparently Rose not. Bowl has to pick a Pac-12 team. Apparently they lose not. a Pac-12 team. So is Big Buddha put it out there? Not, not, not Big Buddha. Not Big Buddha. <laughs> big Game Boomer. <laughs> big Game Boomer. Because I like Big Buddha. <laughs> always says hi to me when I see him. Uh, he's, he does. He always chats you up. I haven't seen him in a while, but he always chats me up when I do see him. When we have Barry on, our Big 12 correspondent, yes. when we have Barry on, we'll have to ask him about Big Game Boomer and see what he knows about Big Game Boomer. Never heard of them. <laughs> Me neither. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are talking with Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver. He ought to be ecstatic. That's coming up in about 15 minutes. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson.
Utah tight end. He joins us each and every Monday. He's Cole Fotheringham with us. Using a game is tough, conference or non-conference, but have you guys talked about how the conference race is still there? And it would appear that certainly the South Division is wide open right now. Definitely. That's what our main focus is on right now. Nothing you can do about the past, and it's unfortunate that we've had these two losses. A lot of people have counted us out after these two losses, but fortunately it really doesn't dictate our end-all goal and what we want to do this season. So we definitely have to turn things around. We're not oblivious to that. There's definitely some work that needs to be done. We have to prove ourselves first and then prove to everyone else that we're legit contenders. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Join Anson Scotty at University Federal Credit Union at the Ranches Branch on Friday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. 3535 Ranches Parkway in Eagle Mountain. So, PK. Yeah. We were just discussing during the uh, the break the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl. The granddaddy, as I called it. And who gets it together? Somebody's got to win in the Pac-12. I mean, when everybody's sucking, somebody still has to be second best. And maybe you pile up seven, eight conference victories, even if you're not great, because you're better than the other guys, and they're not great either. So you're talking about if Oregon goes to the playoff, is that what you're getting at? Yeah. Again, Oregon still has a lot of work to do. No question. Uh, but uh, I don't think that the, the Pac-12 has to take the runner-up, the loser, I think they have to take a Pac-12 team. I don't think they have to take a team that was in the title game. Correct. So if you win a bunch and you're in the North and you don't make the title game, you could be the team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I just wonder if you got any confidence. Right now you're looking at Stanford. Any confidence in Stanford, Washington, USC, Utah. Uh, I I can rule out a bunch of these other teams. I know you don't have confidence confidence in Colorado, ASU, Wazoo. Uh, maybe Oregon State's mediocre, but uh, you're talking about the getting out of the conference with a decent record if Oregon goes, so it's not an embarrassment. Is right, that, is that the point? Yes, yeah, I still do. Somebody with a lot of wins, I do. That'll get your ranking. I do. And who can pull it? But who? I somebody can. I just wonder if we can identify. Well, who. Stanford's two and zero with McKee, so let's see what that looks like. And again, they may could have made the wrong decision. These coaches are not perfect here. Why not? <laughs> just because nobody is. Why not? Uh, you have to ask him. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Capital H. Well, I think with quarterbacks, the biggest reason is because the guys who have to thrive with a certain amount of chaos cannot be tested in camp because you won't let your quarterback get Yeah, that. but they still... And so they know. But they don't know because they didn't make the right choice. <laughs> right. So with McKee, he's 2-0, and and he looked great. So let's see what they can do because I thought they would be better than what they have been a couple a couple of years ago, for sure. So I put Stanford in that list. Uh, SC has talent, man. They've got talent. And maybe now the constant cloud that's been over the program for five years, maybe that's out of the way. I, and maybe Dart is legitimate, man. Maybe he just is. You think he's going to take the job from Slovis, or this is a warning shot to Slovis? The job's open. We're going to compete. Uh, and I think I'm going to pick I, well, you, but so help me. Okay, you but I think that's up. where we're at now. <laughs> right? It's the job's open. That I've been talking to people down there this week. The job is open right now. That's all we can do right now. 
Because so, they haven't named Dart the starter. So right. the job's open today. So who starts against Oregon State this week? Remains to be seen. But the job's open. So minimally, yeah. the job is open. I can verify that. That's a fact. Job is open. Let's see what this kid can do. If, it, if they go in that direction. And Slovis is not dog meat either. Agreed. And with all the NFL talk around him for two years now. Legitimately. Then I figure he's back in there. But maybe they're picking between you, you go maybe with the best guy. But maybe they're picking between NFL quarterbacks. <laughs> so maybe that's and, their deal. And Williams uh, is the uh, interim coach, and what has he got to lose? He owes nothing to nobody. Oh, he's got to win as much as possible. This is launching the rest of his career. I, I think he'll be fine. Yes, but, but, but the more you win, the more you elevate your career. Well, sure. You can say that right. about everybody. Um, so he owes nothing to nobody. Yeah. Pick the best guy, win as many games as you can. Right. So I'm not throwing them out by any stretch. The Devils, if they can somehow clean it up, but they're 0 for 2 in that. They're 1 for 3, I guess. Uh, So we'll see there. And and I'm I'm still not going to just disregard Utah. I'm I'm not doing it yet. I'm not not there. I'm not there in the timeline. Part part of me speaking from the heart. Well, let's see what they look like against Washington State. Back to the point. Uh, oh, I, if they don't beat Washington State, forget it. It's not just that, though. It's how do you look playing the game. I think they'll look fine there. Uh, but to, to me, it's the next game. It's the SC game. Yep. How do you look? That's that's the benchmark That'll be game. the bigger test, obviously. And then that determines do I what I believe in that team when we get to that point. We're still two, three weeks away from that. All right, coming up next, we're talking BYU football with Dylan Colley, the former BYU wide receiver. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's time to talk BYU football with Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver. He joins us now on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain, Best of State Award winner, is having an end-of-season sale on their irrigation smart controller. Save 50% off each smart controller purchase. The offer is available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit SmartRain.net to schedule a demo today. Dylan, good morning. Morning, folks. How are we doing? Doing well. Dylan, I remember a couple weeks ago, you were making your prediction on BYU beating Utah, and you said there was a lot of praying and fasting that went into that, and you got some laughs. You also made the point, I, to me, it made the point that you thought it was definitely possible, but given the streak, you really didn't want to be out there, you know, screaming too loudly. But they got the win. And now they've got another win, and I'm willing now, if you're wondered, willing to really scream loudly about this BYU football team, that as much faith as you had before, you've got quite a bit more now. Uh, absolutely. I, I've, I've got a lot more faith. And I know people are probably sick of my just absolute you know, positive reinforcement towards this team. Um, and I hope last year I did a good enough job of showing, you know, hey, there, there were some worries on the team as a whole. They just had the right tools, right? Uh, whereas this year, I feel like everything has really come together. And I think a lot of that comes down to not necessarily the surprise, but kind of like that aha moment of no one thought that this team had the ability that it does, right? No one thought it really did. Maybe people thought that they had the potential, but no one really thought that a 3-0 and start was even plausible because of the loss in personnel, right? Because of the new, you know, because of new quarterback coming in and, and playing a, a huge role. role. And uh, I just think, you know, it's kind of that moment of, hey, 
three and zero in the Pac-12 um, with uh, a lot of potential looking up in regards to winning out. I mean, I think BYU fans everywhere can kind of stand on the stand on the hill and and scream pretty loudly. Yeah, for sure they can. If you try to pinpoint reason or reasons, where are you going? I mean, I, I truly believe it just goes back to the conversation last week, the, the maturity of the program and, and where it's at and kind of the foundation that's been built over the last few years. It was kind of this, you know, uh, opportunity that was ready to pop, right? And and this year is that year where the last few years, it's just kind of built up all this momentum. And, you know, is it, is this the pinnacle? I don't think so. I think this this is just really the beginning to that constant growth, especially with what's gone on in the last couple of weeks and being added to a power five and the potential to grow there. So I, I really think that this is just kind of that momentum straight up, uh, something that, you know, I think people have been waiting for for a very, very long time, especially under Kalani. These three games have looked remarkably similar. The final, uh, in each case, BYU's jumped out in front. Looked pretty comfortable. Two-score lead. The other teams rallied and tightened it up. And then BYU pulls away and wins by eight, wins by nine, wins by ten. That's not going to hold. Something's going to happen. Maybe opponents are going to catch up to BYU's defense a little bit, especially with Peely being hurt. That's got to be a setback. He was playing so well. And then you've got uh, maybe the offense. We haven't seen it all yet, and they're really going to start throwing 40 points up there on the board. I mean, we can't have the same pattern 12 weeks in a row. We've had three three games in a row. It can't happen. How is this team going to change going forward? Where are we going to see it on the scoreboard? Yeah, I think I think the biggest difference, especially in what I've kind of been waiting for, is that that shift, right? Where and I think it, it did happen a little bit this last week, where after that initial special teams touchdown, okay, which was, you know, as great of a play as it is, we look at the chances of that truly happening, and we look at the numbers, and it's you know, <laughs> uh, almost maybe a little bit of a fluke. But the way that the offense got started was extremely, extremely slow, right? There. Are, you know, weren't many shots taken down the field. The offensive line was getting pushed behind. There was a lot of momentum going towards Arizona State's, uh, going Arizona State's way. And I think a big part of that goes to, you know, the way that we look at what does the opportunity look like for a bad game, right? And do I think that they played the best game Saturday night? No, I don't at all. I, I think that there were a lot of missed opportunities, and especially where Arizona State started to make that run back into the game, right? You look at the front seven and the way that they got pushed early. As I look at that and say, okay, we see how it is to play, you know, maybe not the best football, yet BYU is still able to pull something out, right? And so it's going to come down to, is your worst game better than the opponent still, right? Can you play at your bottom level and where do you still stand in terms of the end score? Um, And that's, to me, is going to determine a lot of what happens the next nine games, uh, the next ten games, however long it is, because that that pattern can't stay, right? We can't just come out and let people back in the second, third quarter, and then pull some mirac- like miraculous victory in the fourth. Uh, my biggest kind of worry is, okay, what happens if we play, you know, worse than we did Saturday night? Is that still going to be better than the opponent? I think personally that there are some games in there in the schedule coming up that if we play worse, you know, there are teams like the Boise States, there are teams like Utah State who has a lot of momentum. 
I think those groups are going to be ones that actually take advantage of that opportunity and put us in a bit of a bind or a pickle. As the team continues to win, they're 14-1 and one in the last 15. Kalani's such a magnetic personality. He's going to draw some interest, obviously, from other positions and other places. I mean, uh, what do you think of the, not just the administration, but I think the athletic administration is fully behind him, but the administration and above at BYU uh, opening up the coffers a little bit and making sure they're at least ballpark going right? Yeah, I'm, you have to. That, I mean, that is the only opportunity. It is very difficult. If you look at the difference of what, and I think that this is, you know, pretty <laughs> public information, right? Uh, we all stood by with Bronco, and Bronco, there was no chance of him leaving. You know, like he had, everything he stood for was BYU. Um, as soon as money started calling, it was pretty quick to leave. Now, no shame, like no shame. Like I think everyone in the world would have done the exact same thing, and I honestly think, you know, from a personal standpoint, I would do the same thing. I think Kalani would do the same thing. When you're talking figures that are three, four, five times more than you're making at one university and setting yourself up and setting your family up for kind of generational wealth, right, those conflicts are always going to come into play. No matter how much you love BYU, it's not a decision about you disliking BYU. It's a matter of, you know, what what is the potential? And so, in order for BYU to truly compete at that level, there's going to need to be a huge shift in the amount of money that's being paid to these coaches across the entire athletic program, right? To be able to keep Kalani around, to be able to keep the Popes around, uh, you you have to keep up or else, you know, you're just going to kind of be considered one of those mid-tier stepping stones that gets you to, you know, to get the coach to the SEC, Right. Uh, and I don't think BYU can afford that with the momentum that they have right now. Well, stepping stones come in a lot of different uh, sizes, I suppose, because as long as SEC teams are going to pay uh, eight, nine, ten million dollars, everybody who's yeah. paying five or six is a stepping stone. I don't think anybody's expecting. I guess the question is, to what level is BYU going to go? Because I don't think anybody who was there in the '90s thought they'd be paying what they're paying now. So you got to. Yeah stay somewhat in the ballpark, but there's a big difference between two, four, and six million as far as, well, who are you a stepping stone to and from at that point? Right. And and that is 100% true. Like, I, I think you have to put yourself in, you know, uh, I think the easiest way to compare it is where are you at and compared to what Utah's paying Kyle, right? What is Utah paying their coaches? Uh, that's, uh, I believe that you have to get to that level. Um, and that would kind of be like the bar to set for the entire administration. Yep, I'm with you. Once again, my friend, you're telling it like it is, and I think that's important. I want to ask you a question that isn't specific to BYU. It actually relates more to Utah, but it's a general question, and I know you've been there. They've got a quarterback situation, mm-hmm. and the way I look at it, Brewers had an opportunity of two and a half games plus, and, and you know, it just hasn't looked good, obviously. I believe yep. Rising has some swagger to his game, and certainly in my interviews and interactions with him, I've seen it. And then he goes out there and ignites a, a dormant offense in the second half. As a player, how much do you count on and configure as far as a player's almost like cockiness to succeed uh, to 
have in the decision that the Utah coaches have to make. I believe they're going to go to Rising, but you as a player, when you look at a, another uh, at a quarterback specifically, and you were a receiver, obviously, in a receiver family, yeah. knowing that the quarterback he, he he's got that it factor. Uh, Utah should have gone with Cameron Rising from the very beginning <laughs> this offseason. No questions asked. One hundred and ten percent. That's something that I've thought since the spring. Um, because of that factor. There was something that you could tell, and that's just of watching a couple Utah games, right? Um, and, and that's just seeing some of the stuff that they would put out, right? Like the media and the social media program at Utah. You could just tell there was something different about Cameron Rising that was going to put them in a position of, you know, confidence. Not just the swag that he's got, but the Dude can absolutely sling it. Like, the guy can play. I think the biggest roadblock, and I wouldn't even call it necessarily a roadblock, but the biggest roadblock from getting Cameron Rising to play early was the difference in influence from from Andy Ludwig, right? And you look at his quarterbacks, especially in the last few years, uh, you look at who he had at uh, Vanderbilt, right? Um, and I forget the guy's name, but the just a very fundamentally sound, you know, five, seven step drop quarterback, much larger in stature, right? Um, kind of that old school feel. Whereas, you know, Cameron Rising is that guy all around. He is that 2021 quarterback. And so I think from the get go, they should have gone with Cameron Rising. Ultimately, I think the game last week at BYU is a completely different story with Cameron rising under center, 100%, no questions asked. Um, and so it will be interesting to see how the rest of the season goes with Cameron rising under center and the success that Utah has, because I think they are a team with a ton of potential and a ton of talent. And so uh, I think that would be just the most fundamental move <laughs> uh, to make in order to kind of save the season. When you say the rivalry game would have been different, you think uh, BYU would have lost? I think they would have been under a lot more pressure offensively or defensively than they were. I think the offensive line would have played with a little bit more of a chip because of what Cameron Rising can do for that team. Um, and, you know, uh, I believe that the chance of BYU losing was, is much, much different. I think Cameron Rising not playing, right? Now, BYU played an unbelievable game. Cameron Rising not playing was a huge benefit to BYU. Well, we'll leave it right there, Dylan. You've given Newton Cougar fans something to think about and possibly argue about. Way to go. Way to stir the pot. <laughs> not stirring the pot. He's talking from his heart and mind. It's what colleagues I do. Think the he's beautiful not stirring thing, no pot. I think the beautiful thing is he's done both at the same time. Well, that's because he's speaking truth as he sees it. That's the whole point. That a boy. Hey, you just go with it. Exactly. Right on. Yeah, well said. You're the man, Dylan. Bring some more tooth next week. He will. No question. We'll see you guys later. Thank you, Dylan. Dylan Colley, our BYU football insider, former BYU receiver, join us here to talk Cougar football. <laughs> Let's see. They, 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 they better pay up the administration or you're going to lose these guys. And he said, what are they paying Kyle? Yeah, yeah, right to it, man. What are they paying, Kyle? What the heck is in those uh, the DNA Nikali people? He's telling it like it is, man. My goodness. And then 
This should have started rising, and that's only watching a couple of times I've seen him play. He's got Off it. social media in the spring. I Pac- love that kid. Pac-12 salaries? I don't completely believe this list. I'll tell you that right now. Oh, you tell me right now. I bottom, like it. Bottom of the Pac-12, <laughs> Jonathan Smith, Oregon State, a little under $2.3 million. This is as of last October was the was what I was October 2020 you're talking about? Yes. Okay. Mid October of 2020. Okay. Yeah. I can believe Smith has lasted 2.3 million. Uh, I am shocked to see Mario Cristobal is listed as next to last at 2.5. Uh, there've got to be some other compensation coming Mario Cristobal's way. Free shoes for starters. <laughs> well, the, this was his first head coaching job, wasn't it? An unlimited right. supply of polo. I'm yeah. thinking since last October he's been bumped up. Kevin Sumlin. Free gym uh, membership so he can do uh, bench press. Kevin Sumlin was middle of the league at, at, uh, two, at uh, $3.2 million. He He's gone. out. He's right? gone, yeah. Uh, Clay Plenty Helton. well spent, I might add. Clay Helton was <laughs> number three, top quarter, number three at $4.5 well, million. It's, He's gone. It's Kyle and Shaw were the top Shaw's two. Shaw's one. At four, I'm, I'm working my way up. Okay. Kyle at 4.6 <laughs> is number two, and Shaw at the top spot is 4.8. Uh, so you've got a range, a basically double from the bottom of the league to the top. Uh-huh. And you've got Kyle at 4.6 and Shaw at 4.8. And, and, they, and the they, USC they also job. been there the two longest, so they get incremental raises Absolutely. that are built in and all that Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. So that factors in. And it. Helton was at 4.5, which means if USC decides to pay 5 or 6 to their next coach, it wouldn't be shocking. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll pay them 4. Can't imagine they're going below that. Uh, I agree. They're USC. They want to win. Awfully expensive to live right. there. Where they pay between 4 and 6 will uh, be determined by how much leverage you have coming in. Agreed. All right, DJ and PK, so there's the neighborhood, and that is just part of it, because as you pointed out earlier, what you pay the assistants is going to matter to the head coach a lot. They know that assistants move all the time, and you got to pay them, because they're on one, maybe two-year deals. Yes, and I could tell you, there was a basketball opening in this state very, very recently, and there was somebody who was up for the job, and he looked at the money available for assistants and said, no, thank you. It wasn't necessarily his salary. Mm-hmm. It was what he had available to pay a staff, and he said, no, thank you. And I, this is gospel truth. I don't know that he would have gotten the job, but when he looked at it, he said no. They call it the assistant's pool, yeah. because how it's divvied up among the assistants is usually up, up to, to the you. head coach. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So they'll refer to it as the assistant's pool, and there's a number, and head coaches are real dialed in to what that number needs to be. And he didn't want to swim there. DJ and PK, coming up next. Everything you missed in this show will get you up to speed. Stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes open up Pac-12 play as they welcome in Washington State for an early start. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 1030 with the postgame show immediately following the game on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Rodgers looking, waiting, sends it out left side, Aaron Jones, wide open, to the end zone, touchdown, 11-yard touchdown, 
even more now than when I started playing. There's so many overreactions that happen on a week-to-week basis. So it's nice to, to come out and have a good performance and get the trolls off our back for at least a week. I just think people like to say a lot of and it's nice to come back in here after a game like that. Mm. Man, that's two famous people I heard to say the word BS in consecutive days. Lisa Wilson had it on her Instagram. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, the trolls <laughs> have quieted down. She's a cusser. Well, it happens. Oh, rambunctious little gal. <laughs> Rambunctious. <laughs> Am I right, Yuck? <laughs> Yuck, how many people in your life use the word rambunctious? I uh, bet your mom might use my it. My mother used I it. I knew yeah. it. I haven't even isn't, met her and I knew it. Isn't that a good description for her? Sure, yeah. yeah. It's an apt description. Rambunctious. She entertains me. Packers, uh, first half, it was back and forth there with the Lions. In the second half, the Lions... Key penalties and key times, killing drives and turnovers, and the Packers run away, and the game was basically over early in the fourth quarter. 35-17 the final. Rodgers throws for four touchdowns. Three of them to Aaron Jones, and he ran for a fourth score. So Packers had it going. Now you could argue the Lions at home. That's, that's well, the yeah, easiest, gonna, quarter, gonna, easiest gonna, quarter of their schedule. I'm going to ask you, is, are the Lions the Sacramento Kings? Yes. An excellent point by you. Uh, the difference is not a lot of owners. That would be the one difference. The Kings have been hampered by multiple changes in ownership because every time you get a new owner, they're going to want a new GM and going to want a new coach. Now, they make plenty of decisions when they have consistent ownership. Ooh, where you're they, saying Quinn Snyder's out? What? You said every time you want, they get a new owner, they're going to want a new GM and oh, a new yeah, coach. Oh, yeah, because they're not winning. No, the Jazz are winning. I think Quinn's fine. Oh, that's because, not. Well, that's not. Every time you get a new owner who's losing. I was losing. talking specifically about the Kings. They're losing. They get a new owner. And I was like, they're losing. we got to change things. New president, new GM, new coach. I guess you could say with the Jazz, if the ownership change hadn't happened, would Dennis Lindsay have still been in charge or not? I don't that, know. Hey, I don't know. That's probably debatable. Cannot answer that. Right. Uh, so certainly ownership changes can lead to it. But when you're losing, then they just do. Then That's automatic? Changes. Yeah. And I don't think I don't think coaches survive long-term with ownership change and losing. That's, that's an awful combo. Nobody wants to bet on that. Well, in pro sports, nobody survives with losing. Right. And the Lions, it's, been the, Ford, it's been the Ford family. They suck. Forever. Yeah, 1957. You got one playoff win since 1957. That's awful. Oof. One play win in 63 years, and people, 64 years, and people made fun of Wayne Fonts, but he's got the win. They made fun of Wayne Fonts? Yeah, they made a little bit of fun of him. Why? That's uh, rude. Being, being goofy. Yeah. Wayne Fonts has feelings. <laughs> he, he does have feelings. <laughs> he does have feelings. I think that can be relatively easily confirmed. So that was the NFL game last night. I don't know if all's right with the Packers, but uh, coming off that win, they won't have to hear it for another week. We'll see how it goes going forward. Well, I, you know, Aaron, if you don't want to hear it, don't pay attention to it. There's that. Can't you just isolate yourself from that? An NFL quarterback, to a degree. I mean, there's too many guys in the locker room on yeah, social media. Rogers, you're going to hear about it. He's not just an NFL quarterback. He's I Aaron Rodgers. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a Super Bowl winning Hall of Famer. I just hope on his induction he doesn't have the man bun. 
Wouldn't that hurt underneath the helmet? How does that work? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Carson Wentz sprained both ankles against the Rams. His status is up in the air for Tennessee this weekend. You fantasy football players, you're warned. Carson Wentz, definite maybe. The American Athletic Conference has given Mike Oresco, their commissioner, a contract extension. Three years through June of 2025. He's a former CBS Sports executive, hired as the Big East commissioner in 2012. They, of course, had tons of realignment. The Big East, the basketball schools, and the football schools broke up, rebranded the American. He's guided through that, and now he's got to guide him through Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF joining BYU in the move to the Big 12. So they're losing marquee nationally ranked programs there. Houston, not so good right now, but they had a great run, and UCF and Cincinnati are the big dogs now. And you think CSU and Air Force are going to go to the AAC? There's plenty of reporting about Why? that. Yes. That's a good question. What are you getting there that you couldn't get in the Mountain West? You sound like the Mountain West commissioner. Why would you go there and try to make them the biggest league if you just stay here, they're the biggest league, I and you keep all your rivals? paper story, too. Yes. Well, he's told everybody who'll listen that. That's not just the San Diego paper. But that's where you read it. It is where I read it. But I've read it other places subsequently. Where? National guys are writing about it. Yeah, national it. guys? What yeah. is you and national guys? I read it in The Athletic. Jeez. I read it in The Athletic and ESPN. Yeah, you discredit local people because no, they're No, I read it in the San Diego Everything paper. Everything is national with you. National guys. Except you just said I read in the San Diego paper and you were right and they're not national find something else to be outraged about they're going they're, they're, they're Copley News Service yeah <laughs> nice <laughs> nice local knowledge <laughs> that mattered to about two people listening to this you and me well that's who owned the Daily Reason I worked for them Helen Copley she did you meet her yeah hang out with her you said, what up, PK? I said, hey, hell, how, how the hell are you, hell? Uh, he did not. If she was in the room, you would have been in the back of the room in that staff meeting with your hands in your pockets and your head down listening. Man, I'm making eye contact. Always a little guy. That's who I am. So the way, uh, the, similar to the way AEC needs... Uh, Needs continuity because things have been going well and they got a guy who's provided good leadership. You're saying BYU. And really, you're not speaking to BYU. Because people at BYU know. Tom knows, and Tom's informed everybody else on campus, and he's been around long enough. I think he's got credibility, and people trust him and all that. But further up, the food chain. Yeah, the board of trustees, they've got to understand what's involved here. Life in the Big 12 is going to demand a different level of financial commitment than Independence, the Mountain West, and the WAC. And they don't have to meet or exceed anything. That's not it. They just need to... And they stay in the middle. You need to be at a competitive level to compete in Provo, Utah. And that's just not for the coach. That's for his her assistants, whoever the coaches or whatever sports we're talking about, if you want to succeed at that level. Because as Dylan Cauley said accurately, when Bronco Mendenhall was going to get over $3 million a year, what what choice? And, and BYU just said goodbye. I hope that's not the case going forward. Because then you are going to be a stepping stone. And you're going to be viewed as such. You can't achieve one without the other. You can't achieve high-level status, national rankings, blah, 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 without being in that ballpark. You don't have to exceed because there's things going on there 
It is a little bit different in the community for sure. Uh, but you have to be where you're competitive and you have to allow that coach to retain assistance. You know, who's to say that Grimes gets the job in Baylor, right? And it's going home for him. So that that matters. It's the same thing like when Bronco went from defensive coordinator to New Mexico to BYU. Rocky Long didn't like it, but he was going home. His parents were getting older, blah, blah, blah. And so we know he's an Alpine kid, right? But then the, Mateos, the assistant, was like a no-brainer. Suppose you would have, and I don't know what he's making at Baylor, and I don't know what he made at BYU for that matter, but suppose you would have said, yeah, we'll take care of you. Maybe he thinks otherwise. Maybe not. He's not, not an LDS guy, so maybe he's looking. And, and, and at the time, BYU wasn't in the power league. They are going forward. But all those things factor in. And I was having conversations very, very, very recently with people uh, at BYU and saying that Kalani is concerned about his staff. And one of the reasons he may leave, not saying that he would, but it's a possibility, that well, I could, sure, I'll be well compensated, but so will my guys. It's a big deal. No head coach does it by himself. I don't think they do it by themselves in basketball. They certainly don't do it by themselves in football. Mm -hmm. And he and and Tuiaki, man, they've worked together a long time. He and A-Rod, long time. Well, both of his coordinators he's got extensive history with, yeah. And now he's got a history with just about everybody there. And the chance to, yes, you're right, in the sixth year in the Ed job. Lamb, right. So. Guilford, Hadley, his cousin, Fessy's his cousin, right? Uh, the pool, what the assistance pool, that matters. What is that oh, especially number? for those guys. What is that number? If you're going to go from 120 to 350, that's massive. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Just, I'm just picking numbers. I was going to say. Well, the reason why I'm picking numbers is because that's what it was when Bronco left. So I pick numbers, but I pick ballpark numbers, and I know the numbers because the guys told me to my face what the numbers were. But if you're going 250 to 700, that's a big deal. Oh, my god! If you're going half a million to 1.3 million, SC's going to pay coordinators. They're going to they're gonna pay. They want to win. They want to win really badly. It's been a long time. You think you're bugged by Oregon? You ought to listen to USC people. Bugged by Oregon and Uncle Phil. They want to be the big dog again. Got a new president. Got a new AD. I know they've picked celebrities. I know it's been too much sizzle and not enough steak. And they've screwed up again and again. But from the top down, it's different now. They got different people calling the shots. They may not make the same mistakes they made in the past. We talked a little NBA this morning. Clay Thompson is making good progress in his rehab. He will participate in controlled drills during training camp. His return, well, that's all going to be decided at a later date. When will he be playing in NBA games? Season opener seems less likely. Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. Where will they mark it off on the calendar? The Warriors do not want to be nailed down. I think it'll be in November. Jazz are taking their training camp on the road to Las Vegas, September 28, 29, and 30. Viva Las Vegas. Sing it, PK. Well, the Elvis tune? Yeah, it's a great tune. They'll be at the Wynn Las Vegas for three days, and then they'll come back October 1st. NBA teams have done this over time. Jazz have not done it lately. 
A three-day getaway. Three-day getaway. I was just reading yesterday that Houston went to the Bahamas. You were counting how the Lakers used to go to Hawaii. There are perks they throw guys away. I wonder if they'll go because Donnie has that residency now. You think they'll go down and see that show? Probably not. Why not? Seems unlikely. thought it hadn't started yet. That makes it even less likely. When's it start? I don't know exactly when, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you're our Osmond correspondent. That's Uh, your beat. I'll call Don today. That's more what we expect out of you right there. I'll give Donald a ring. Because he's got that. He's a great entertainer. If you haven't seen uh, him on stage, I would advise you to do it. And and he makes fun of himself. He's funny. He doesn't take himself too seriously for being a mega celebrity that he is. Spent a lot of time this morning. We'll have a lot of reaction coming up in your feedback right now. How worried are you? What's your concern level that Kalani Satake will take a higher paying job at USC or someplace else? And I think one of the good responses came from Brian. I'm not 100% on board with it, but I see where he's going. I like the fa- fact he's thinking out of the box here. He says there's little chance of him going to USC. He'd be going there just to get fired. I don't think money is his main motivation, but if he does eventually leave, I would be more concerned about him going someplace like Stanford or Utah. Interesting. Well, every coach probably is going to get fired. So, I mean, if you go into that with attitude, that attitude, why take any job? Um, we do have a lot of people saying they've got more confidence now that BYU is in the Big 12. In the independent era, they would have been worried, but now that you know the Big 12 is out there. Yeah, but as I said, it's about his assistance, too. And if he has, yeah. a, t- if he has a chance to say, hey, Merry Christmas, here's a $250,000 raise. <laughs> yeah, that, you might find that tempting. Because that would be a Christmas gift, because yeah. that's when they do it in December. Yeah. So that matters. It's up to the BYU big guys, the board of directors, whatever they call them, trustees, you, you, you got to get in that ballpark, man. You, got, you, just, you just have to. You have to understand what your mission is and what you're trying to accomplish with your program. And I believe you can recoup that money, too, through uh, your, your attendance would be off the charts. And, and, your TV uh, deal's getting bigger. Yeah. And the exposure you're going to bring to your faith by, by Kalani. In parts of the country where you don't have nearly... The built-in rep you have. What a representative to have than Kalani Sataki for your faith. I'm telling you, man. He makes it, he brings it on a, on a real level. He's not stuffy. He's not white. In a church that has that rep. You, you, got, you got the golden ticket with him. So keep it together. I mean, they, their water bills at the churches for the baptisms, it would be through the roof. It's just one after another. Boom, boom, Went boom, Went right boom. to the drought, huh? Well, I don't know if they'll be in drought over in other places, though. I'm not saying here. Oh, okay. Like West Virginia. I don't know. What's their, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. What's the rainfall situation in I, West Virginia? I don't have any idea. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Florida. Let's get, let's get the dewy. Well, Florida, you just take them out to the water, so you're you good get, to go. Yeah, you just go to the beach. Yeah, you don't even need the fall. Yeah, well, you have to be careful what water. You see that uh, video from Florida, the woman on the paddle boat in the river, and she had to take the paddle and bump the alligator away, and the voice off camera is like, yeah, but now I, you I'm, made him mad. I'm talking ocean. All right. Waves. I like it. <laughs> yes. Not the Gulf Coast so much. Who wouldn't want to be dunked in the ocean? That would be cool. DJ and PK, your feedback is coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. I love Frank Dulce de Leche. He's a very smart man. I also love to disagree with him because about 20% of the time, he's just flat out wrong. Like, it has nothing to do with the offensive line. This is all about Charlie Brewer. Guy's not good. 
There it is, dumping it all on Charlie Brewer. Yeah, I can't go there, man. Because the O-line is struggling. Big time. We when, have it from no less an authority than center Nick Ford. When you have trouble sometimes handing off because the defensive line is right there to intercept the handoff, that's an issue. I mean, when you, you hardly ever see that, but when you see that two, three times in a game, you that's have a, shocking. You have a major issue. Yeah. Wow. People are blowing assignments and guys are just running into the backfield. You can't even hand chance. it off. Yeah. Now, I've been on the rising train. We'll see if he ends up being a player. But uh, Well, behind that offensive line, he's going to get a little bit of a pass because mm-hmm. it's an issue. The thing he's got going for him is he seems more comfortable running around making plays. They're going to have to roll the pocket left, roll the pocket right. He's going to have to scramble a little bit. They're going to have to do stuff. You can't just drop back, plant your foot, and survey the defense. I don't think you can roll the pocket left or pocket left. The pocket has to be right there in the middle. You can get out of the pocket left and out of the pocket right, but you can't roll the pocket left or right. We will debate that. I'm a football that. guy. Okay, good. I played freshman football at Thunderbird. <laughs> and I only did it because I literally did not know a soul. Didn't know anybody and meet some of the guys at school. Yes. Right? Football if, team being one of the bigger teams on campus. And if we actually had two. Two football teams? Yeah. Two freshman teams? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we did. Hadn't heard of that before. They had two freshman basketball teams, but only one freshman baseball team. Okay. Uh, we got a tweet here from Garrett McClintock, which has already been retweeted by Yach. At Smarty Streets has entered an NIL with all BYU women athletes, including walk-ons and the Cougarettes, in a deal similar to Built Bar's football sponsorship. 6K annually per athlete. Way to go. Can tell you that I have a former BYU softball player who's going to be very unhappy that she's currently not playing. <laughs> well, shouldn't she be mad at her parents? Say that one more time. Shouldn't she be mad at her parents? Uh, maybe so. If they would have waited, you know what I mean? It's was, it was a timing yes. issue. 6K is not insignificant money right there. Uh, as far as the question of the day. What is your concern level that Kalani Sataki will take a higher-paying job at USC or someplace else? Clutch Sports Utah tweets back with a guy, looks like a game show contestant, and he's got fingers crossed, both of them, like he's about to win money on a TV game show. You want Kalani going to USC? If you're having a problem, you're worried he's going to get a role in Utah, when, or get a role in at BYU, wouldn't you be worried to get a role in at USC? Why? be a problem for Utah either way. Okay, I see what you're saying. Sure, yeah, I got you. Devin says, I don't know. It's hard to see him leaving. Ben says, please not USC. Anywhere else is okay. <laughs> Ben's, a U- well, Ben's a USC hater. You're familiar with that. You lived in L.A. You were one of them, and you knew many of them. USC, if you're not with them, you're against them. Not a lot of warm fuzzies there with USC. Yeah, I suppose you have to be competing with them every year. But at the same time, you're competing with BYU to an extent. Even when you're not competing with them, you're still competing with them. CJ tweets, uh, the Unrivaled show says the Algier Force fumble was a momentum changer for the game. This goes against PK's 10-minute rant that it was not a momentum changer. I agree with Unrivaled show and David DJ James. <laughs> That's a day-old argument. Do you even remember it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I, you do? Because half of the stuff in the show. No, I said it was a momentum changer. I said, but to contribute it as the momentum changer or attribute it to it, I think disrespects BYU. 
Well, if BYU could have stopped them. They could have picked up a fumble. There was still they a quarter to go. Field gold. There was still a quarter to go. A lot of things could have happened in the game. But at that moment in the game, I thought it was a very big deal. Those, and granted, those, it was a big deal. And granted, anything but you're could have happened after that. Respecting BYU's dominance of the game if, to say that that was the game changer—that's where I disagree. And I don't care, rivaled, unrivaled, uh, crosstown rival, arch rival. <laughs> I mean, I, that doesn't matter. That's my opinion, and I'm sticking with it. All good podcast names. Go out and grab them right now. Get those babies trademarked right now. All right. And, uh, and I've received more communication, not from a, a national uh, writer, that uh, uh, we've been underselling Air Force and CSU, that it is behind the scenes, it is a done deal. And that's from Scotty. I could read it, too. DJ and PK. <laughs> DJ and PK. Scotty and Hands are coming up next. <laughs>